What's up, everybody? Welcome to PSI Love You XOXO, episode 26. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside the OK Beast Blessing, Adioye Jr. It's me. I got a new camera. Yes. Now, okay, real quick. Yes, you have a brand new camera. So do I. Yeah. But your camera is going to switch back to your old shitty camera at some point because. Yeah. Probably somewhere between the next 30 minutes and the next two hours, it's going to die. I don't know when. I cannot, I can't see my battery meter. So I have no idea when it's going to die. But at some point, it's going to die. And I'm going to switch back to my old crappy camera. So to be so just, clear, Kevin brought you this nice camera, but didn't bring you a power source for it. Nope. Nope. Well, to be fair, Kevin's I already own you. this camera. The camera, uh, the camera technically isn't new. He did bring me a cam link and he is going to bring me a power source on Wednesday, probably. Okay. Um, and so he basically helped me just get my camera set up to be able to actually stream it and actually work for all of what we're doing. Um, but yeah, I'm still waiting on the on the power source. And instead of instead of just waiting until Wednesday Why to actually make this my default setup, you gotta live dangerously. I just, I just love how it looks. Like, look at this. Like, look how look how better my room looks just with the better resolution. Sure. Yeah. There's more. There's more uh, textures to it now. <laughs> there's more. Yeah. Exactly. It. it looks like it's actually loaded in. And then. For the rare PS I Love You XOXO guest, it is IGN's own Janet Garcia. Hello, Janet. What's good? Glad to be here. Thank you for coming in. No, of course. Uh, you know, uh, I've said it multiple times, and I've told you privately, but I've said it on shows, and uh, I've said it on Twitter. You are the funniest person at IGN. You are the most entertaining IGN personality to follow on Twitter. You are hilarious. You put people on blast, and you have great opinions on games. We're happy to have you. Oh, I really appreciate that. Happy to be here. If people aren't familiar with you, how do you describe yourself? How, what's what's the the quick elevator pitch of Janet Garcia? Associate guides editor at IGN, which means I do guides things at IGN. Um, and outside of that, I also run my own blog on the side called Game Industry Guides, where I try to field questions from people in or trying to break into the industry and put the answers out on the internet. Um, and then I think that's mainly that's mainly the games content side of like what I do. That's awesome. And so, yeah, you were one of the people working on the Last of Us Part Two guide, correct? Yes. It was you and this Brendan fellow. I never Me heard of Brendan him. Graber. Yeah, never heard. Uh, of him. You have, you know, he's uh, he's a mysterious fellow. But it was uh, me and Brendan. Uh, just just for a while it was just me which was a, a lonesome time but yeah. Brendan joined me which was great he did a lot of the collectible work he made some awesome breakout pages excellent guys writer and of course um, any project even if it's led by just two people is always touched a little bit by other people on staff so everyone playing the last of us who you know tossed a tip our way or one collectible here and there uh, Felicia Miranda who is our SEO editor did like some some work on the guides so definitely a few other people involved but it was uh, mainly a me and Brendan collab and it was it was it was an experience <laughs> it's over it's there uh thank you guys to people who have used it uh several people have tweeted or dm'd me i always appreciate when people use our content um people have given feedback i'll i'll fix anything that needs to be fixed interlinking stuff like I, my favorite thing about guides is that it is just there to help people um i love talking about my opinions but you guys know that can be contentious on the internet and Doing a guide that just helps people get through a game or enjoy a game or platinum a game feels really good to just be part of a positive experience for them. And it's like, hell yeah, I'm glad that you turned to us and that you used us when there's so much content on, on the internet. That means sure. so much to me. So uh, I love doing guides for that reason. It's really fun. Uh, I, of course, used uh, you guys for it because I had to DM uh, Brennan and have him tell me where the final collectibles were I needed in The Last of Us Part 2. Uh, we're going to talk about Last of Us Part 2. Obviously, if you need a guide to use for it, you need to go to kindoffunny.com slash IGNTLOU2. That's TLU2 uh, as part of my agreement with the IGN's guide team for getting embargoed information early. I'm out here uh, totally selling it for them. Uh, but 
Janet, I guess the question would be, I haven't talked to anyone at IGN Guides in a long time about their job, right? Because obviously I worked there a while ago and things obviously change. But even that said, I think so many of our listeners don't understand what a guides writer in 2020 is and what how that works at IGN now. For The Last of Us Part Two, what is the process? How does that work for you? Well, initially, like I said, I was on my own for the project. So I was in charge of doing everything myself. So that was kind of a rare circumstance. A lot of times we do have multiple people on it, but I was, regardless, I was the project lead. So what that means is I am in charge of creating a content plan for what stuff we will publish when the embargo lifts. So the walkthrough, collectibles page, um, maybe uh, tips and tricks is always a classic one we do for this. I I knew, okay, safe codes and combos. Everyone's going to be looking that up. Want to know that we'll put that on a page. Um, other breakout pages, I'm trying to remember combat tips, like which uh, actually Mark Medina led that up for us. So shots, Mark, for doing that uh, and doing the video content on that. And then thinking about if there's any other oh, trophy guide and list is a, a really big one for a game like this. So coming up with that plan, being able to anticipate what people would be looking for and how to format it to help them find that information and then actually making all the information. So when you do a walkthrough for a game, there's a couple ways to go about it. I think everyone does it a little differently. For me, I am still experimenting with what format I use. And I think every game is different because games are so diverse. But for a game like this, it was a combination of sort of for a second. At first, I did the walkthrough while playing the game. So I would literally be playing it. And then I'm like, then you turn to the left. You'll see a grocery store. Enter. Inside the grocery store, you'll find several clickers. You know, Consider yeah, yeah. using this one thing you just learned. Afterwards, uh, go straight into the right. You'll see a crevice. Dina's waiting for you outside in the winter. Like I have parts of this game like totally memorized in a really weird way, uh, and then I'd write that down and take screenshots and keep moving through uh, to speed it up. At one point, I did just go through the game, uh, still playing kind of slowly to find collectibles and and mark them as I found them, and then I'd rewatch my footage at 300x speed while making notes on what Jeez. you had to do. Um, and so that was my experience with the game. So it's uh, this- yeah. Does making a guide ruin the game for you? Like, is it is it possible to have fun where you play for five minutes and then sit there and write it all down and then go back to playing? Um, yes. And that's why I think a lot of times I will do capture and then record after just because yeah. it, it also helps you feel the flow of a game. And there's some games, too, where the combat might get so intense that you can't just, you know, you have to get through it and then take notes sure. on the combat afterwards. Um, yeah, you can still enjoy a game that you wrote a guide for. I do think that, and I talked to my coworkers about this a lot on guide, on the guides team. I think that playing a game that you write a guide for amplifies the flaws and, and also the, the pros mm. of the game because you spend so much time looking at it and writing it and thinking about it that you really notice that like, wow, there's a lot of dumpsters in The Last of Us too, you know? And, the, and I think anyone <laughs> playing would notice that. But when you're like, okay, on the right, there's a dumpster like you can just notice it even more um and i do think that writing a guide sometimes can increase your love and feeling for a game though because you spend so much time living in the world that if you do end up liking it you just get to know it on a level that feels like so much more intimate than what another player would experience because no one else has really sat and thought and stared and like taken all these screenshots in and these different angles um it, it's definitely a different relationship than you would normally have with the game yeah, I can't imagine doing it, let alone, and I, I feel 
in in some regard and tell me if i'm wrong i would imagine doing a guide for a game is a game unto itself of there's the you know when i get when we get games for review there's always the embargo and you're always trying to meet embargo so just to have it beat usually is one thing right of going through and having it beaten and be able to talk about it comprehensively let alone to try to have everything let alone to be working with other people about assembling let you know let alone then I assume SEO is a big part of it of you're playing and you're like, what am I getting stuck on? You're like safe codes are going to be a big deal. I know I need to make a headline for that. Like, is that accurate? You think that it becomes a game itself? Yeah, it's definitely, um, I think there's a game element to it. I think it's also just like this massive weird project where you're like, it's just a weird side of games coverage because it's not an opinion and you're not making the game either. You're like staring very heavily at what was made, which is, um, it's like a different form of analysis in that sense. Um, oh, and then by, by extension. So when Brendan joined, I was like, okay, cool. Collectible help. Like I could, because re- the walkthrough takes so long to write that I'm like, I could really use some help on collectibles. And Brendan is amazing at collectibles. He's been a guides writer for a really long time. He is the best guides writer I've ever met by a mile. He's just fantastic to work with. So I'm like, Brendan's here. We're going to be okay. Because like, <laughs> he's, just, he's very talented. So uh, whenever we have more people on the team too, if you're the project lead, you kind of assign things. Obviously, it's still collaborative. Like you can talk to, you know, suggest things to the the project manager. But essentially, like you're in charge of making sure that we have a plan in place so that when the embargo lifts, we are publishing whatever needs to be published. And um, sometimes that's all of it. Sometimes it's not all of it because math. <laughs> you don't have enough time always <laughs> to do it. Um, but just having a plan in place to track it, check trends. It, it is uh, definitely crushing when you have something up maybe before everyone else, but you're not ranking as well. <laughs> but, you know, that's uh, you do the best you can, and uh, that's all you can really ask for from yourself. So, you know, we have great uh, SEO editors and, and teams to try to help bring our work to light. But I'm like, hey, I, I made the thing. It's there. <laughs> you know, we can reformat it if we need to, but it, it's there already. Well, yeah, everybody use this one, kindoffunny.com slash IGN, T-L-O-U-2. You can get the entire guide, Janet and Brendan, the whole team at IGN has been working on. Uh, thank you, of course, for coming here, uh, Janet, because, of course, we started talking about Last of Us on the old internet, and then we're like, well, we could just do that. And if you didn't know, ladies and gentlemen, that's what today's episode is. We're not into spoilers yet. We, we're going to give you a little bit of news before we get there. But the idea is that, uh, obviously, I think The Last of Us Part Two is a game that warrants all kinds of discussions, which is why we've done so far a Last of Us Part Two review as a games cast. We've done a spoiler cast as a games cast. We then did another spoiler cast this time with Neil Ashley and Troy. Then we did a We Have Cool Friends with Laura Bailey. Now Shannon Woodward on Twitter wants to get involved. We'll see what happens there. But mainly it's this conversation of having someone to talk to about The Last of Us Part Two, And I think, honestly, this is going to be a long time, or this is going to be going on for a long time that we have these conversations over and over again. But I knew so many of you beating The Last of Us would have things to say, whether it be reviews, questions, theories. We told you to write in for this episode, and it will be yet another spoiler cast. I don't know. Blessing, we got to come up with a better name than spoiler cast. because it's getting Yeah, because this would be our, like, what, fourth spoiler third, cast? At yeah, this third point. in third. a row, fourth in a row. You yeah. can't do that. So we got to figure that out. But we'll, by the end of this episode, we'll hopefully have a name for it. But we're going to get into all of that with you, because this is PS I love you XOXO each and every Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. Uh, Pacific time we put up a brand new episode of your PlayStation podcast if you like that you should go to patreon.com slash kind of funny games where you can support our work you can get the show ad free and you can ask your questions you can also get the exclusive post show we put up there for just a few bucks however if you have no bucks to toss our way you can get each and every show for free youtube.com slash kind of funny games please subscribe and podcast services around the globe each and every Tuesday morning of course there are ads and there's no post show and you're just well you're supporting us just not in the monetary way but if you can't i understand it's no big deal but if you could it means a lot 
you though should be like our Patreon producers, Mohammed Mohammed, aka Momo, Connor Nolan, aka Connor Dowell, James Hastings, Sancho West Gaming, Julian the Gluten Free Gamer, Delaney Twinning, uh, Aaron Bonilla, Jeffrey Long, and Jesus Barrio, aka Bent Fork underscore PR. Uh, they of course go to patreon.com slash kind of funny games, get the show ad free, help us out, and get their names read on the show just like you can. Uh, a little bit of housekeeping for you. Uh, tomorrow is Dreams Calm, basically the dreams, uh, the game dreams convention. Uh, I say tomorrow because we record on a Monday. Uh, if you're watching on Tuesday, it's probably about to happen. 9 a.m. You can come watch it with Blessing and me. Twitch.tv slash kind of funny games. If you missed it live, YouTube.com slash kind of funny games. We'll put up our live reactions after over there. Speaking of YouTube.com slash kind of funny games, uh, that's the sponsor this week. YouTube.com slash kind of funny games. But I'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin the show with what is and forever will be this week's X's and O's. Now, Blessing. Gregory. This is a weird episode. It's not, it a, you know what I mean? it's not like a traditional we're running through doing the news and stuff, right? We're just here to talk yeah. about whatever we thought of Last of Us Part 2. However, you put on here some related Last of Us 2 stories. Do you want to read yes. like you want to read those before we get into this actual spoilery discussion of everything else? Yeah, so before we actually get into the spoiler discussion, there are two Last of Us 2 related uh, news stories to bring up as sort of small PlayStation updates for this episode. Uh, number one being, The Last of Us Part Two is the fastest selling PS4 first party game. This is something we, we talked a lot about uh, last episode. This is Brendan Sinclair at gamesindustry.biz. Uh, who says The Last of Us Part Two sold through more than 4 million copies in its first three days on sale, uh, Sony announced today. And today being, I believe, Friday when this article Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Uh, that makes the Naughty Dog sequel the fastest selling first party PS4 exclusive game to date, topping previous holders of that title, God of War with 3.1 million sold in three days, and Spider-Man with 3.3 million uh, in three days. Over the weekend, it also claimed the title of Sony's fastest selling PS4 game in the UK, uh, although that distinction was wrested from 2016's Uncharted 4. Uh, and Greg, we talked a lot a lot last week about is the last Could it part Spider-Man. <laughs> Well, yeah, we talked about could it outsell Spider-Man. We also talked about like is it is the Last of Us Part Two the most successful PS4 game? And in in terms of fastest selling, like it's reached that height. Um, sure. And so, like, congratulations uh, on that part. Do we think it's going to beat Spider-Man in the, in the long run? Yeah. Right. I think so. Yeah, I mean, I think the I mean, like these numbers are so crazy to think of, right? Because like we you said when we talked about it before, uh, Daniel Amad on Twitter on Friday said, for reference, Uncharted Four sold two point seven million in three days. Horizon sold two point six million in fourteen days. God of War sold three point one million in three days, and Spider Man sold three point three million in three days. Like, granted, it's been two years, so there's more PlayStation Fours on the market, but still yeah. to go go from three point three million to four million in three days, and and like. That's just the tip of the iceberg on what we're seeing, let alone the legs this will have, let alone what happens when PlayStation 5 does release. And you assume there isn't a PlayStation 5 version. There's just the PS4 version that's running better, backwards compat and all that jazz. Like, I don't know. Uh, Janet, where do you think it's going to come down in terms of like the how successful this will be? Yeah, I think bringing up the PS5 here is really important because it's kind of history repeating itself with the first Last of Us where it came out and then it's like one of on so many lists for best PS4 games is the first Last of Us, and I imagine PS5 will be no different, despite the fact that it's not really a PS4 game, and it's not really a PS5 game, like, you know, those two respectively, but they're so amazing that people can't help but recommend it, because it's usually the best version or the better-looking version. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's hard to, just based on trends, usually it's not like those numbers ever tend to sway in the other direction. So just based on the fact that it came out so strong out the gate, um, I do think, and I know you guys discussed this on your last episode, but 
it is wild that something like The Last of Us can be more popular than God of War. It's like, yeah. you know, who's cooler than Kratos? Joel and Ellie. It's like, it just seems kind of odd because they're just, I mean, I absolutely love The Last of Us and The Last of Us Part Two, but you would think that the other ones just feel more exciting. And I just think sure. it's really amazing and, and somewhat surprising, but also maybe it shouldn't be that surprising that a game that is known for its story is so successful. And I just really hope this opens up people's perspectives to narrative driven games and narrative experiences. Cause I'm like, you know, some people still don't really consider narrative games to be a, a big deal genre or worth their attention. But I'm like, Hey, if you like last of us and last of us part two, you, I, I have bad news for you. You like narrative games and like yeah, 100%. play a bunch of other ones. Cause it's, it's a fantastic genre. Um, obviously it blends in action very heavily, of course, but like, I just think it's really cool for a game that feels unique in a lot of ways to be so successful and uh it just kind of kind of opens the doors for you know new ideas and new ips and, and new things to come out that are equally risky in some senses or blending genres so janet to put on your hat and be a philosopher for a second the question last week right was do we think that last of us part two will be the most successful playstation game and I immediately jumped to sales, brought up the thing. We talked about, you know, God, Grand Theft Auto, which is cheating, and then God of War, and you know, then Spider-Man. Then Blessing, I think halfway through that conversation, was like, I don't even know if successful means sales, Greg. And I was like, oh, that's a great point of like, what are we defining as success? Do you think when all is said and done, Last of Us Part Two is the most successful PlayStation 4 game, however you define that? <laughs> the way I define it, yes, because I would say success is making something that's just absolutely fantastic. I think The Last of Us Part Two is one of the best games I've ever played in my life. Uh, mm -hmm. I, it's hard to imagine what other games will be kind of in that layer for me, um, just historically speaking. If we're thinking success in terms of, I guess, most people thinking it's like kind of unanimously awesome, I would say no, because I, I think games like God of War and even Spider-Man to a degree, even though the reviews there are like kind of range usually between like eight and 10, depending on, on the outlet and the reviewer, I feel like, Spy the conversations around God of War and Spider-Man were holistically positive, while The Last of Us 2 is a little bit more divisive. And I'm not even talking about like the, you know, dark areas of, of the internet and forums. I even just mean among critics. Like some people, even though they might still rate it pretty well, I think there are some people that the story really resonated and some people that thought it was a little bit one note thematically. So uh, I think in terms of that, no, but in terms of being the best, yes, in my opinion. Yeah. Blessing, where do you come down a week later? And it's worth pointing out too for our conversation here that at four million, according to Wikipedia, uh, Last of Us Part Two is already the top ten. It is the number ten on the top ten of best selling, which is wild. Yeah, I was, I was listening to the KFGD where you guys talked about that, and I like when you guys mentioned, I was like, certainly that can't be real. Certainly that's a mistake. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's awesome. Monster Hunter World is right in front at four point six seven million, and I have to imagine Last of Us already passed that. They just haven't updated. Oh the numbers. yeah, four million as a number is 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 wild, right? Like the them being able to one up uh, Spider-Man by that much, I thought was very surprising. And so like, again, like good on them uh, in terms of where I'm at a week later, in terms of the most successful PS4 game, PS4 game conversation. I, I think for me, it, for me personally, it is a toss up between God of War and the last of Us part two. Um, and the more and more I talk about the last of Us part two, the more and more it grows on me. And the more and more <laughs> I, I find reasons to love it. And the more and more I'm like, all right, yeah, like this game. Th this game is is doing things that I didn't realize, and now that I'm talking to more people about it, it is like my my mind is being open to uh, to details I didn't I didn't even realize about it. Um, and so you know, 
where where it, where it kind of nets out in the end, I I still don't know. I and I think I think a lot of that is to the power of this generation for PS4. I think sure. five years from now, looking back on the PS4, there are gonna be multiple, multiple, multiple games you can point back to and be like, oh yeah, that was the highlight of this generation, right? Like you can you can you can point back to God of War and be like, that was the highlight or you can point back to horizon zero dawn for many people and they'll be like yeah that was the highlight or same with persona or same with final fantasy 7 remake there's so many games this generation specific predator hunting grounds yes of course there's so many games this generation that i think just just for even the the playstation audience alone uh shown very bright like there's there's so many games that that actually came out and, and made a statement and felt uh definitively amazing for so many people and and to what janet was saying earlier i think the the divisiveness is, might hold back uh Blast's part two a bit in terms of it being the overarching number one most successful playstation game uh in that overarching conversation but i mean i i do think for so many people this is gonna this game is gonna be that number one um and i i'm curious i'm curious to see how that plays out like i'm curious to see if you pulled people based on uh, what's your favorite PlayStation 4 game? I'm curious to see where those numbers would stack up between, specifically between Last of Us Part 2 and God of War. Um, because we see a lot of hate for Last of Us Part 2, but there is also a lot of love, and I wonder how much that love outweighs love for other games, if that makes sense. That's what's so interesting, and I think in, it's expected, right? The further we get away from launch, so the more people have played it, the more I don't see the hate as much anymore. It, it, where it was so you know on release date so universally like fuck this game and i can't believe they did this and they don't understand and yet and let's all go troll laura and let's do this and yada yada like the further and further we get from it, it seems the more and more it is just like no this game's incredible and i think mm-hmm. i go back to what we were talking about last week for me personally like i do think this is going to come down as the most successful uh playstation 4 game and i think it'll be the one that defines this uh platform in this generation but it's more of the fact that yeah i don't know will it beat uncharted you know what i mean will it come in behind gta probably yeah but like beyond that i think it's the fact that we're going to talk about this game for a decade like this game is one of those games that is once again i think showing us what the future of games can be and maybe should be in a lot of ways of like we're going to have these ongoing discussions and the games can make you feel this way and i know we're going to get into this in a little bit with reviews and conversations and what the best friends have written in about but like you can not like this game you can not enjoy this experience and still think it's amazing because it made you feel something and it had something to say here's a kind of related question what would you guys say is the most successful ps3 game not in sales but in terms of like when you think ps3 like the cream of the crop what game is that for me it's the last of us i was gonna say right it, it's it, it, how crazy yeah. is that 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 can even be an it like that that fran no it's now a franchise it's like best ps3 game last of us best ps4 game also last of us like i think that also just speaks to like the the power of that franchise in i think just staying with people in a way that um other games might not because of specifically because of the way the story plays out. Yeah. And it's like one of those not to take away from anybody else in PlayStation studios, you know, first party, but like you look at PS three and I think that is a generation when you think of PlayStation that is defined by naughty dog and their rise from being a great developer to being the greatest developer working in video games today. And the fact that they just went from, you know, obviously having successes with Jack and stuff and and crash before and being a different company, but to see uncharted to uncharted two to uncharted three to eventually, obviously uncharted four, but last of us, like you see them go in, in a way that 
I think every other video game developer, but main first party studios definitely looked at and was like, holy shit, like that's, they are the pace car. They are what we all have to try to strive and chase and match now. And I think, you know, we've talked about it before in the show, Bless Right, of like, just PlayStation play it too safe with their first party studios. And I think it's a lot of them seeing it where I think, you know, you look at Gorilla making Killzone and they're making Killzone after Killzone and they're good at it and there's an audience and they could do it forever and just be in that brown world with the exception of Shadowfall. But you see playstation as a brand start to really pivot to being like no these naughty dog games are defining us and i think there was a probably a fire lit under their asses under uh sony bend uh, under uh um uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that, 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 uh sucker punch uh of all these people who were like fuck let's take it to another level let's do something like that like let's try and not like do exactly what naughty dog does but let's tell engaging first per or uh let's let's tell engaging narratives maybe in a third person perspective yeah, that like part personal stories yeah like, exactly when you personal look at this stuff. generation it feels like it feels like so many games from sony were informed by the last of us and the success of, of the last of us especially god of war like god of war i think is the yeah. number one other sony game that feels like it is a direct successor to what the last of us did right and that and that is from the perspective of hey yeah let's have this more so behind the back camera uh angle behind the shoulder camera angle as opposed to the the zoomed out focus that we get that we got in all the other god of wars also let's have it be about this this um um you know parent child relationship that builds throughout the course of the game oh yeah <clears throat> let's have all these com these companion um uh abilities and companion companion interactions and gameplay based around having multiple multiple characters interact with each other let's have banter that goes on yeah. uh, throughout the course of the gameplay and it's stuff that feels uh very naughty dog that affected the god of war franchise in a very very positive way to the point that god of war 2018 is so many people's favorite god of war for good reason because that game is that game is incredible um and so yeah i i, I think last was for me is an easy easy game to point to in the ps ps3 generation because of that and this generation i feel like it's just more so just bigger in so many ways that it's it's still hard for me to, to point to one i think the top three are probably going to be uh God of War, Last of Us Part Two, and Spider Man probably in rotation somewhere, and then you know, and you know, I I'll, I'll hear any argument for Horizon Zero Dawn. I'll hear arguments for for um you know a lot of other exclusives. Persona Five is a game I keep even forgetting to 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 roll yeah. in there because that is a Sony exclusive game, um along with Final Fantasy VII Remake, which I also keep forgetting, and that's so far still my game of the year. Um, still? Like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. That, that, <laughs> That game hit me hard, man. I love that game. Uh, I was also involved in that guide, but I just did side quests. I didn't do the walkthrough. Um, yeah. Oh, that's probably the thing that might have held it back for you because I skipped all the side quests and that, that made that game <laughs> way better. right to do that. Though we do have a page on the best ones if people are interested. I can't be on a show without plugging the hell out of guides. But You're yeah, right, no? that's interesting. But yeah, I, like even with even with the PS3, I'm looking at other games, right? And I forgot that Metal Gear, so Metal Gear Solid 4: Guns of the Patriots came out, and of course you can you can, you can make the argument for it. Uncharted 2: Among Thieves. Um, uh, I'm like I'm trying to scroll through this page that is like the top yeah, 10 yeah. PS4 or PS3 exclusives, and I'm seeing like Killzone and Infamous. Which but it's I think we're all great, we're, but, all, we're, we're you're all in video games, and I'm probably speaking out of turn, and I know there's a million of examples, but stick with me. In video games, I think we're all used to amazing games that we play and love and enjoy and enjoy the systems of and understand what you're but i think the reason the last of us hit so hard in the ps3 because like people cried doing that and like and it wasn't like just the weird you know you got choked up at something it was like a weird shared emotion and it was and the game from the the literally from the go tells you it's not 
your average video game, right? That it's going for something else here. And I know we've talked before of like, well, there's these zombie tropes in it or there's this, that, and the other. All true, but like it still hit in a way most games didn't hit. And that's why, you know, I, I've talked about it so much as we've talked about Last of Us Part 2 of, you know, playing Last of Us Part 2, going back to Last of Us, and then coming back to Last of Us Part 2 again for my second playthrough. It was that weird thing of playing The Last of Us and having it feel like, it was an old school traditional video game because the last of us part two had pushed everything so far and had evolved everything so far. And I think that like that with that said, it doesn't surprise me that when you think of the PlayStation three's greatest success and you, then you think of PlayStation four, we're talking about the same franchise from the same developers. Right. Cause I think that they saw, they took risks in the last of us part one, that normal, normal quote unquote video game uh, makers wouldn't take and found success with it which then i think reinforced everything and made them more confident in themselves made sony more confident in them and everybody was just like all right go tell this which we're about to talk about in a second with spoilers on go tell this story that most people wouldn't do and put uh, players in situations most players don't want to be in or wouldn't want to be in the last or I guess the next PlayStation update uh, regarding The Last of Us Part 2. Uh, there are no plans for Last of Us DLC. This is from Liam Croft at Push Square. As part of the spoiler cast with Kind of Funny, Hell yeah. he went on record stating that the team won't be doing DLC, any DLC for The Last of Us Part 2. Quote, there are no plans for DLC. A pretty definitive answer from the studio's vice president, so don't get your hopes up for anything in the near future. However, we do still have that multiplayer side project from Naughty Dog to look forward to, which... I'm very much looking forward to, but at the same time, I'm like, does that game ever come out? That multiplayer project that I really, that I really want so badly. I'll tell you um, what I mean, you know, for uh, Liam from push square here sleeping on it. Cause I asked Neil about that too, during the spoiler cast and just got a mums of the word answer. So you could have had that in there too. Oh. YouTube.com slash kind of funny games. Go watch that spoiler cast. Do we feel like the, the last of spark two is fine without um, DLC? Cause I know this is a conversation that, I feel like we had back when the last of part one came out, you know, in the mm -hmm. same, in the same conversation about does this game really need to uh, need a sequel? I, I think those conversations also exist as far as does this game need DLC? Is there more to, to really um, express here when this, when what we have feels so, feels so definitive. And I also want to give a, I want to give a shout out to uh, the spoiler cast that I did, I did with Janet and a group of people, um, Gene Park, Laura Kate Dale, uh, uh, Lucy O'Brien, or yes, Lucy O'Brien. Um, you know, we did a whole, uh, Natalie Flores, yes. We did a whole 3.5 hour drunk spoiler <laughs> cast, uh, which we should go check out. And I think that's on your YouTube channel, on right? On my YouTube, yeah. YouTube.com backslash game on this. That's game O N Y S U S. Same handle. Yes. Yeah. And we, really I, I, it was, it was a really fun uh, episode. People should 100% people should check that out. Um, but I believe the, the, the idea of DLC was brought up. Uh, to which we started throwing around ideas. And a couple of the ones that I thought, oh, and I can't say spoilers, can I? Not yet. I'll wait. I'll wait till the spoilers section. I mean, if you want, we can start had, right here. Well, you had DLC. I mean, we could do it either way, but you had DLC in mind at least. Yeah, you I had, had DLC, DLC ideas. Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't think like I think they could get they could have gotten away with doing DLC in a way that worked in the same way that Left Behind worked so well. At the same time, I understand not wanting to do to do DLC for this game. I understand being like. No, this is definitive. We don't want to touch it. We feel like our time with this game is is, is done. And I, I think I think it's a good move in the sense that you look at Uncharted Four, and I feel like when they announced Uncharted Lost Legacy, I personally had that uh, a kind of a knee jerk like, oh, but I thought this is the end. Like you really want to add more despite this being the end. And then you learn it is more of a story about uh, Chloe and Aideen and what they're doing. And it's like, okay, cool. I guess this is a side story, so it doesn't really affect what's going on with Nathan Drake. 
the last of us part two for me feels in a lot of ways bigger than than joel and ellie's story that i feel like even adding anything to that would feel like they're 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 kind of they're kind of uh stretching things along in a way that they don't need to and so i'm totally down with them not doing dlc for this game i don't know how you guys feel i'm down for it but i'm not I would have liked it. It kind of makes me sad that they're not doing it just because um, I actually never played Left Behind. I did play the <gasps> first game. I played the second. I never played Left Behind. Um, I just didn't have time to get to it. And also, here's like you've a hot played take it since that... you Wait, you, no, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. So you've played, you have played it now though, right? You've played it no, now. I still you haven't still it. haven't. No, I was like, no, we got to do the second game. We're just, just going to go. Like, it sounds awesome. <laughs> cool. We're just going to jump in. It's funny. We were like, it feels so much like, you know, left behind. And I'm like, sure. You know, I don't know. I didn't play it. So um, <laughs> uh, kind of a hot take. Um, and there's nothing against people that like their DLC or like having DLC outside of games that maybe are like ongoing games, like how Animal Crossing gets updates now and Splatoon gets updates and stuff. Um, outside of those instances, I don't think any game needs DLC. I don't. I don't really like DLC. I feel like, no, 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 no. I rolled the credits. You can't have me run it back. I'm gone. I'll probably, honestly, you. I probably deleted you off the PS4 already because I need the space. Like, I just don't. It's like a weird thing I for me. That. I just don't like revisiting it. Like, I already finished it. We, you know, we said goodbye. I'm done with the story. Time. I guess you have more to say, but you should have put that in when I was there because I had played it. So that's just for me. I don't, I don't really feel like anything needs DLC, I think it can be nice and it can be done well and can be done poorly, but I don't, I don't feel it's needed. Um, there are games where I enjoy the game enough that we all go back to it, but oftentimes I'm like, cool, more stuff. I'm, I'm off playing other games. That's just kind of my, my personal way I go about playing games. No, I don't. I mean, personally, I don't think you're wrong at all. Like I, I there's when I sit there and talk about DLC that I think was awesome or affected me or whatever, like. There's tons of it, but I'm right there with you. Like for me, it's always Horizon, where I was like, they, you know, Horizon Zero Dawn, one of my favorite games uh, of that, you know, the generation of the year, whatever you want to say. And when Frozen Wilds dropped, right? That's right. Isn't that the name of it? Uh, it sure. I was like, all right, yeah, hell yeah, and I got it and popped in, and it was that thing of like, it just dropped, picks up right where the game left off, like wherever you are on your quest. So it was that of like, wait, what was I doing, and where are we going? And there wasn't like the narrative like here's catching you up on it here's what it was it was meant to be played as if i was still playing the game and i wasn't and i feel like you know the spider-man dlc that was only i think what a month after maybe a month and a half after they dropped episode one after the game came out and putting that back in it was the same thing of like wait what the how how do i oh man i've got so many moves now and i don't remember how to do certain things i I always liked the last of us being like epic or you know left behind being a like episodic like here's this two hour thing you can jump in play i thought worked better than most and i think that helped it resonate that it had it it was its own story it was its own beginning and end but like even assassin's creed odyssey where it's like so much stuff's come to that and it's one of my favorite games and i put you know 100 some hours into it but you jump back into it and it is that where do i go to find it and how does it start and like okay who somebody's talking to me and i'm like i remember you were important uh what you know it's like yeah i'm with there if it's not part of it it does sometimes feel not even tacked on but just such a hard shift to get back into yeah i'm there too like i i can probably think of more examples of dlc that i tried and fell off of than dlc I actually truly grew to love like left behind is like the one example i can think of of a dlc that i absolutely fell in love with but then yeah i have that spider-man one where i did episode one was like okay that was great yeah that was a really good experience and then episode two came out and i played uh probably like an hour of it and was like 
all uh-uh. right, cool. I'll come back to this and just never turned it back on. Yeah. Um, and, and that was the I, thing, right? We're, sorry to cut you off, but like for Spider-Man oh, yeah. in particular, like playing through that, like that ends with real ramifications on the characters you know from the for, from the game, right? And that I imagine is somehow will be brought up in, not enough it'll be in Miles, but definitely in two or whatever. And so it's like, I needed to play that, I feel, to understand that thing. But then it's like, what about everybody who didn't? And what about like, Uh, I don't know. It's just a weird thing to tack on anything of consequence to it. And, you know, to Janet's point, like, yeah, it makes sense with destiny. It makes sense with the division. It makes sense with something that is ongoing. You're playing it a lot. You need those content drops, but like, yeah, Mario Kart is like a DLC. That's probably the only DLC I can think of where I was like, it was like a breath of fresh air. Cause like Mario Kart's the kind of game you just throw on and play. I think smash, even though I'm kind of, I'm I'm no longer excited about smash DLC because I just don't play smash that frequently to like really want more fighters but i think games like that do benefit from having just more stuff because it's the same inherent loop versus a uh, a single player game where it's like i'm going back in but i'm like alone and i don't you yeah. know it's just a, it's just kind of a weird the, the loop doesn't hit for me the same way um i think they can be fun but you know i, yeah, I never it's hard to get pulled into them yeah and there, there's an amount of dlc that i've installed or have bought that I've just not not opened up. Like yeah. literally oh, last yeah. week, I bought oh, yeah. I got all the Hitman Two DLC, thinking that like, oh yeah, it's time. I'm feeling kind of Hitman right now. Hitman Three trailer looked dope. All right, let's play. Let's jump back into into Hitman Two and do the levels that I didn't that I didn't do before. And I bought that pack. I downloaded everything and and never we never booted it up. Still, might, I, I might boot it up, but probably won't. Like if I'm being honest to myself, sure. I'm not gonna play that shit. Um, and same with Control Foundation DLC. Like that yeah, came out really weird. I, I bought that. that too because I loved Control, but like I'm not gonna do all that. Like, um, yeah. but you know, are you a real gamer if you don't install things that you know deep down you're not gonna play? <laughs> like, you you need that backlog. Game, my favorite game is looking at my Switch. I know this is terrible, and like I'm sorry for people that like aren't in as much of like a privileged position to, you know, I'm just buying really cheap, like $2, $3 things off the eShop. But my favorite game is what have I not even launched on my Nintendo switch? Cause there are so many things I'm like, it's on sale. I'll, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get to this. I'm going to be the person that gets to it. And yeah, it, it's hard when there's so many games out. Totally. No, that's, uh, I see it on my switch. I see it on my PlayStation. Everybody has their backlog somewhere, but it, it like for me, it's not even that it's the amount of times I will delete something from the PS4 re-download it months later with the intents and then delete it again with ever opening it right where it was yeah. like oh like we were talking earlier this year like you know what like maybe i should just go back and platinum days gone and see if you know and like i've downloaded days gone like twice and deleted it twi- three times i guess right <laughs> like where it's like download oh no hold on get it right I, oh there's something else coming and i try to keep it like a neat tidy like this is what i'm actually going to play but it means that i downloaded i downloaded the other day everybody's golf shadow of the colossus and uh oh man that's a party that is a something, party right that's, a, that's a thing Yo, right can we there, play everybody's right? golf yeah Yo, sure why didn't we, we can, play yeah. that that should have been the game we played for because you're last late last week you were uh, asking for suggestions on what to do for the game spot stream that yeah. would have brought me out for the game spot stream if we you played everybody's golf. you know what i mean but you don't want to you don't want to hang out with me you wanted to go do whatever you did this afternoon without me lame i mean yeah. i don't know if you'd be want to be involved with that you know kevin was here setting up this new camera <laughs> so um uh, that's a fun time so i want to like so again what we asked you so here's where we're happening we're saying spoilers are on now you should have beaten the last of us part two to listen to the rest of the show i'm sorry to gatekeep on you but you should have and there's so many of you did thank you uh it's been insane the amount of people who have written in uh you know we said last week when we we're going to do this so many of you wrote in it was uh outrageous the mailbag today so 
spoilers are on now. You should have watched the spoiler cast. You should have just done all that stuff. You should know everything about Last of Us Part Two's ending. Before we wade into all this, Janet, you're the one person that, n- n- if you're a PS I Love You person, you might not have heard from yet. What is your take? What is your review? What did you think of The Last of Us Part Two? I think it's absolutely fantastic. I think it's a, a masterpiece of a game. Shout out to Jonathan's review, which he also gave it masterpiece <laughs> on our scale. Um, obviously, masterpiece does not mean perfect. There yep. is no such thing as a perfect game. You already um, said there's yeah. too many dumpsters. Yeah, there's too many dumpsters. Like I, dumpsters are the new um, floating log things. Like y'all ain't ready to have that conversation, but it's true. Um, the new pallets. <laughs> yeah, the pallets. Thank you, for floating <laughs> log pallets. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's absolutely fantastic. One of the best games I've played. Um, I think. And I played The Last of Us 1 very recently, just a few months ago, and it felt like a masterpiece to me, even playing it in 2020. Um, and yes, some parts are clunky for sure, but it still resonated with me. And I was shocked because it's a, a fairly old game. And uh, playing Last of Us 2, it's so clear that they did literally everything that they did well in Last of Us 1, but better. And I didn't think that was really possible because Last of Us 1 was already a masterpiece to me. Um but yeah, The Last of Us 2, just, it took it to another level in every single vertical. Um, I, I adored it. It, it. it kept me entertained and engaged and excited and enthralled the entire time. Uh, I, it, it's a game I recommend to everyone unless you, maybe you played the first game and you really, if you know you just don't like those kind of games, I guess maybe you can pass. But since The Last of Us 2 is so much better than 1, I think even if you weren't that keen on 1, it's worth checking out 2 to see if your opinion has changed because they have improved a lot of the things. Um, from the first game yeah i thought you know last was part one in the hindsight and everybody talking about it for you know seven years or whatever it always was like oh well the gunplay is not that good not at all i can't do good gunplay yada 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 and i really thought that and correct me if i'm wrong for you guys but like i thought last was part two's gunplay was so much better and i thought it put it on uh, to a different level of like okay cool not only is it the narrative game we want and the you know the weird crafting exploration thing it also is a really good action game or stealth game depending on how you play yeah, I agree. And I, yeah. I'm somebody who I would I would say that Naughty Dog figured out gunplay with the first Last of Us and made it better in Uncharted 4. And from then, it's been great. Um, but I think, yeah, Last of Us Part 2, as an action game, when you look at those those action elements, I think still shines very bright. Um, and even and I think a lot of that is stealth. I think a lot of, a lot of that even goes beyond stealth. Um, I th- during... During that initial preview of Last of Us Part Two, um, with their last state of play, I remember you, Greg, mm-hmm. you you um, compared it to Hotline Miami, and I think that is such an apt comparison of where the, the levels of of engaged the game can get when it comes comes down to managing your resources and switching between weapons and doing all that stuff. Um, that stuff I think is is fantastic when it comes to the gameplay in the Last of Us. All right, so it's time to get the best friends who wrote in to patreon.com slash kind of funny games involved. And we're going to start somewhere I didn't think we'd start. I love just putting all these questions in here. But based on what we just talked about, I want to bring Alex into the fray. I'm curious to hear whether you guys want a Last of Us Part 3. And if so, what form the game would take. When Part 1 ended, I felt like I was fine either way. The ending was satisfying, but if they had more story to tell, I would be on board for Part 2. But with this game, due to how emotionally devastating the ending was, I feel much more strongly that I want a sequel. I want Ellie to find redemption for what she's done, and I want her to find some happiness. That said, I don't know if I need another 30 hours of a game or so. Uh, I think that I think what I'd really like to, is a shorter sequel. That's mostly story, not as much combat. 
In my head, I'm thinking the Breaking Bad sequel that came to Netflix last year, which was nowhere near the length of a full season, but gave us a glimpse of where Jesse ended up and how he sought out his own redemption. I know that this may seem like an unusual way to end such an important franchise, but I think Naughty Dog has certainly proven they're not afraid to do things differently. Janet Garcia, do you want a Last of Us Part 3? Quick answer, yes. Long answer, I want more from the world, but I don't necessarily need it to be a Part 3. Uh, I know me and Blessing talked about this uh, a bunch on our a Drunk Spoiler cast or a Drunk cast, but... I feel like for me, I just trust that Naughty Dog can do interesting stories in this world that extend beyond Joel and Ellie. Of course, we do know that Last of Us Part 2 is still very much Ellie's story. She's the main character. She's who you play for the majority of the time as. Uh, it's weird being allowed to do spoilers now. Um, I know, right? <laughs> like, oh, am I allowed to say that? But yeah, you know, you're her, then you're Abby. But then you come back as Ellie. That's the point. It ends on her perspective. Um, but yeah, I just want something else from this world. Like, I would love to see them even just zag and use totally different characters, even if they didn't pick anyone from part two, just any different perspective, uh, I think could be really exciting. Uh, I think too, what, one thing I liked about part two is you got all these glimpses into the other aspects of what the world was like. Obviously you got reminders of things such as the outposts where they'd get rations and things, sure. but you also got insights into outbreak day because you went to ground zero. And I would love to see what if they did like a short, uh, game on on Outbreak Day or what went down mm, there or mm. just like this, there's so many stories I think to tell in The Last of Us and I think what's interesting and I don't know if this is how much this is intentional uh, in terms of the naming of the game but I've been thinking more and more on what the name The Last of Us means and on one end it's like there's not that many people left so it's The Last of Us but I also think it's speaking to the fact that The Last of Us is multifaceted. The Last of Us is not just Joel and Ellie. It's not just this family. It's not just this group. It's not just the wolves. It's all these factions and groups that you don't even know exist out there. The Last of Us is a lot of different people and families and factions. So I want to see, I guess, what else is out there in that Last of Us universe. Because this game was good as hell. And I feel like they can do it. <laughs> I just trust them to do whatever now. Because I, I also didn't think we needed part two at all. Um, but part two was so fantastic. I'm so glad we have it. So I'm like, do whatever you want. I just want more of it because this is one of the best games I ever played. Blessing. I I'm a bit mixed on it as as far as do I want Elastis Part Three <clears throat> because I, I I really I I like where the Elastis Part Two ends. I like that it's not. I, I like that it didn't hold back in terms of ending on a on a somber note and it, pretty pretty much literally ending on a so somber note. I think you know that is such a great definitive place to to kind of ramp down this story given the the journey uh with the first two games that said if they were to make a last of part three i part of me would would really want to play a game where lev is the main character and it is maybe like five ten years into the future into the future you're playing as an adult lev and you're and you're um pretty much navigating the world maybe maybe abby's still in picture maybe not who knows um I, I really like the idea of The Last of Us doing this baton pass with each game. Because in The Last of Us Part 1, obviously, you play as Joel, you have Ellie as your companion, and, and you're basically fleshing out the, the that relationship. And the game is a game about hope. The game is a game about, hey, like how, how, do, we, how do we make these connections at a, at a time uh, where we all feel defeated and at a time where, um, especially for Joel as a character who doesn't want to reform that connection because he had that connection with Sarah and then lost it and it hurt him. Um, 
Last of Us Part Two coming out and being this game, being this baton pass to Ellie, and her story is a story about hate. Like that feel that that also feels very definitive in a way that I appreciate. Last of Us Part Three finding, and I I don't know. I, I and this is kind of where I struggle. I don't know what Lev's story would be. Whether it would be a story that is that is finding hope again, or would be a story about discovery. Would be a story about some other type of uh, deep, intense emotion. I think there could be something fascinating there. I think there could be something really cool there. Um, at the same time, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't necessarily feel like I need the Last of Us Part Three. Um, that said, I also do like the the idea that Alex gave in in, in their question, where they they talk about a a scaled back experience, kind of like the sure. Breaking Bad movie, um, El Camino, that was on Netflix. Because I, I I think there's. You, the reason why that probably wouldn't work in the grand scheme is because players aren't necessarily ready. You know, we have we have Miles Morales is a thing that was announced, and we know that's forty dollars, and that that causes us to react in a way. But if the, if if Naughty Dog and Sony were to announce a Last of Us game that was let's not even call it Last of Us Part Three, let's just call it Last of Us Blank, and it is hey, this is thirty dollars. This is a ten-hour story, and this is us wrapping up the Last of Us. I think that could be a really cool idea, and I think they and I think. To the point in the question, scaling back the, the combat and ma- and making it more so of a um, more so of a narrative experience than the last part uh, one and two. I think there I think there's a really cool idea there. Yeah, there's something um, there. Yeah, especially in terms of hey, we're not going to push it. You know, we have a story we want to tell, but we don't we don't necessarily want to tell the story for 25 hours. I think you could do something cool with that. Um, that said, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if they'd be able to pull that off in a way that worked for the audience and make made, made people not immediately apprehensive about what that might be. Also, really quick, I do want to say that I, I agree with you, Blessing. I don't want to see this. I don't really want to see Ellie get like a happy ending. I know that sounds evil. I like feeling like the mm-hmm. knife is twisted in me every time I finish one of these games. Like I like feeling like, oh, this is where we're ending, but also feeling like it is a close. Um, I want to. I never want to leave The Last of Us not being destroyed. <laughs> so, <laughs> I just want to throw that out there. That was my thing when we when I'm when we're playing it right, and uh, you know, I uh, the spoilers I had seen on the internet right was that uh, Abby kills Joel, and somebody said that Abby kills Ellie too. So I was kind of waiting for that, but I didn't know. But when we got to the farmhouse after you know the confrontation at the theater, and uh, Ellie's there with Dina, they have JJ. I remember like doing like they're gonna end this and uncharted for happily like they're gonna end the last of us on a happy note like that's that's not not and i remember not being mad about it but i just thought it didn't seem true to what was happening in the game and of course then you know tommy shows up and everything goes on we go to santa barbara and everything goes to hell so it made sense but it was that thing of i'm with you of like i don't come to these games for a happy ending i come for this in a, I, don't, I don't know if i would have known this c- coming into this game but on the other side of it right i come here because they are trying to make human characters in a cruel horrible world so there are just grays there are it isn't black and white and so you know to get to that house it felt so unfinished it felt so unearned that happy ending that yeah i wouldn't want that and like I wouldn't have wanted the game to end happily, and and I and to get to the question here, right? Like, per, like I'm right there with both of you. 
if Naughty Dog comes out and, you know, uh, Neil and Hallie are like, we have another story to tell. We're doing a Last of Us Part 3, whatever. I'm, of course, going to be stoked. and I'm going to want to go play it and yada, yada, yada. Here on this show on June 29th, 2020, I do not want a Last of Us Part 3. I don't want anything else. I want it to, I think it exists this way. And I know that there was a quote going around from Neil talking to somebody who's like, yeah, I don't know what the next project for the studio would be if it's going to be a new IP, if it would be something uh, going back to something like Last of Us or it would be whatever. You're like, I, I don't want that because I like how they left this with us sitting here going, I like I've talked about earlier in the show, left us with a bunch of different outcomes that we all are going to sit here. I really do believe for five to 10 years. And when you talk about video games, you're going to talk about your interpretation and talk about what you think, how this all worked, right? Like even the fact that like when you beat the game, the start screen is now the boat on the shore of Catalina Island, right? Like that boat is at the Fireflies base where they told uh, Abby to go to. So it's like, did they make it? I assume they did. That's my interpretation, though. Is that what it is? Do you think Lev and Abby made it? Did one of them make it? You know, like, what's what did they find when they got there? Did they get there and then have this conversation among themselves of like, yeah, we met the girl who has the cure. Wait, we have a virologist, too. Like, well, let's go. You know what I mean? Like, there's a million different ways that to go. And I, I love that ambiguity of it. Like, I, the only, like, loose end, I think, in the last of us that needs to maybe be tugged on in some way would be Ellie's mother. I think the fact that we never got more about her, about Anna. And I always thought that number one, you know, that trailer we saw that turned out to be Abby being strung up, but from Paris games week or whatever. Right. I made, I jumped, I was, I shouldn't say me like a whole bunch of people were like, Oh my God, that's probably a, a, a Ellie's mom. I'm going to play this, you know, timeline uh, game here kind of thing. And when we didn't get that, I found that interesting. And I, I would think it would be a DLC like Left Behind, but they don't want to do that. So maybe it could be a short game like you're talking about, Bless. Maybe it could be uh, something Neil I, Neil got asked about in the spoiler cast because in Uncharted 4, spoilers for the end of Uncharted 4, at the end of Uncharted 4, when you're in that bedroom, there is a poster for a Last of Us like game, graphic novel, movie, whatever, that is a pregnant woman with a gas mask on. And I forget what it's called. If it's it's not, American Dreams Last is the one that's us, out. This is Ellie's mom. Pretty much, that's exactly what it is. Plus, it's a little on the nose. I think they could work on the title, uh, but that would be something I think could be interesting in a similar way of what uh, the question is talking about in terms of a narrative thing, where it is that we're playing the events that lead to the birth of Ellie and how all that happens, and that's where we're getting the Last of Us vibe from it. But then juxtapose it with either an ending or maybe a few segments you jump back to of what is Ellie doing? What is Ellie's plan? And if it was, I think as simple as like. We do the entire thing, not even knowing anything about Ellie. We're just playing as Anna. And then when she's born and Anna writes the letter to Ellie that is in Ellie's backpack in Last of Us Part 1, you could easily, I think, have it be that we go back to current time and it's Ellie reading that like as a confidence booster in front of Dina's house. right? And it's just Dina and JJ walk out the door and Ellie does that Ellie sigh like the end of Last of Us 1 and end it there. Because that, like, for me personally, being such a sucker, like that's all I wonder about. Like I, I have so many theories and all this other stuff, but like, for me, most importantly, it is like when Ellie leaves everything behind and just walks out, walks out of this room, like where Dina completely, she like lobotomized her from her life, right? She took everything else in the house that was Dina and JJ, but she left all of Ellie's stuff there. And I don't think she left it in a way of I'm leaving this. So when you come back, your stuff's here. I think it was, I'm leaving this shit. Cause I, you're not a part of my life anymore. I've put you in one room and I've shut the door and I've walked away from you. And so then Ellie does the exact same thing to her stuff too, which makes me think she's totally depressed and just going to go wander and start a new life. But it could 
she could she could do that for six months and then be like this isn't worth it and go back and with all this information where would that relationship be that's what i want to know but i don't want to know but i want to know <laughs> does that make sense <laughs> yes i think so okay good okay cameron aka that underscore dude underscore cam wrote in to patreon.com slash kind of funny games just like you can to kick off the discussion here and goes what are your thoughts on the insane divisiveness of the last of us part two as of right now the user score on metacritic has been review bombed down to an abysmal 3.5 while pretty much every gaming site on the planet has pretty much deemed it game of the generation I personally played almost half the story so far, just switch perspectives. Uh, I've absolutely adored it thus far, though I am intrigued to see how the latter half plays out at this point. Janet, what was spoiled for you going into Last of Us Part Two? Nothing. And I, I shouldn't even say that because I feel like that is challenging the increasing number of trolls I'm gaining as I gain next more time. followers on Twitter for next time. <laughs> But uh, I like to keep it real, and I have to be honest, nothing was spoiled. I've never been more excited to have so little clout that no one wanted to ruin my life. <laughs> like I was like, sure, this works out great. Um, yeah, nothing was spoiled. I feel very lucky. I didn't even actually note, like, I didn't catch the Paris Games Week trailer, Ooh, so I actually didn't yeah. even know who Abby was. So it was a real good time, and I was like, I was literally, like, while I was working on the guide, I'm like, if if someone spoils it now, I'm so close. Like I'm in the game, you know. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, I was lucky. Nothing got spoiled. So then, for you coming in sight unseen, completely blind, what was your reaction of playing Abby when the switch happens and you take over? I was like, oh, this is why my coworkers wouldn't name the other chapters in our walkthrough outline. <laughs> Very guides <laughs> thing. Two, I was surprised. I was like, ooh, okay, they're doing this, but I wasn't shocked because. The first game, one of my favorite elements was playing as Ellie. The switch they did when you got to play as Ellie sure. in the cabin area was, I think, the best part of that game for me. Um, so it doesn't shock me that they would do a switching character. They also did a switching character very early, so I felt like it was kind of a uh, mechanical foreshadowing of what would happen later. So I was surprised, especially seeing that, like, oh, they're not just having me play as Abby. I'm Abby on day one, so you kind of can assume it's going to be day two, day three. Um, so yeah, I was I was surprised, but I wasn't like floored by it because I felt like there was narrative and mechanical precedent based on the earlier sure. part of of Last of Us Two and the existence of Last of Us One. Were you surprised by the reaction to, from other people, from players? Um, no. Though I will also say, like, to kind of address this question directly, you know, like, oh, what's with the scores? I think a lot of those scores, uh, some of y'all didn't play the game. Like, I'm going to throw that out there. Like, some people that go on, we've seen this with Metacritic before, day of, somehow everyone beat the game within zero minutes. Like, <laughs> it's suspicious. Like, I, I think that happens for a good amount of people. And then I do think there are people that maybe would have played the game but didn't because they they heard leaks or they kind of knew or they watched someone do it and they just felt like they didn't want to. So I, I think that's more reflect i think the metacritic on the user score will change over time of course eventually as more people but also to be honest like i've never scored anything on metacritic as like a fan I, like i've, I've never done it i love games i just i don't care to do it it's i not, do it for every game it's not really do you actually do it for no, every even game? the ones, no, even I, the ones never bless hasn't one. played even the ones bless <laughs> hasn't played he just goes in there he's like based yeah. on box art yeah so i've already rated marvel's avengers having installed this several <laughs> times on my ps4 i can say that this is not, you know yeah, yeah. so i I think there's that. I also think there are a lot of Joel stands from the yeah. first game, yeah. which kind of shocked me playing the game way after it came out. Yep. I got to the end. You know, my boyfriend was watching me play the whole time. 
And when I bust into the operating room, I stood there. And I just, I had the same thing that you had, Greg, where you've talked, told yeah. the story a million times where I stood there and I was like, and I, I kind of knew I had to, cause like I, I, I done killed like everybody else in there. Like the whole hospital. <laughs> was there. I've worked 80 people on my way up here. It's like obvious that this is the progression, but I stood there and he like stood there and I was like, we really got to kill this doctor. And I was like, all right. And then I shot the doctor and I went about my business. Um, I didn't shoot the other doctors though, Greg. I don't know why you killed the other doctors. Um, at that obviously- point, I figured I had to. If one of them stabbed me, <laughs> if the main doctor stabbed me, I figured they're all going to try to stab me. I got to get it. Um, so I, I did that. And it was funny because I talked to my boyfriend right after I, I finished it. And I was like, you know, telling him my thoughts. And he's like, oh, I immediately shot all those doctors. Like, I just had no hesitation. And I'm like, oh, you're trash. Like, now <laughs> it's all, all in good fun of just like talking about games. I think sometimes people get really like hurt when like yeah we can have different opinions on joel and still talk about it it's not a problem but i do think some people that feeling for joel weighs so heavy that it it they're so in love with the story that they can't enjoy the art of the storytelling um you know i I think this happens for people in in lots of mediums where they're like no this character died i don't want to be involved anymore i don't need i don't need to do this and you know what that's very valid because you don't need to do this it is not your job (laughs) So like, it's my job. So I have to, I don't have a choice, but you know, you can do what you want. But I, I do think that if you are choosing to remove yourself from experiencing it for whatever reason, you also have to remove yourself from the critical conversation because you've chosen not to do it and that's fine. But then don't say it's like a zero on Metacritic because that's weird. I want to keep this part of the conversation going, but let me bring in Steven who wrote into patreon.com slash kind of funny games and says long time listener, first time question asker having finished the last of us part two this past Sunday and having watched streamers of the game leave their opinions. I feel as if the game isn't getting a fair shake among people streaming or being vocal. As soon as Abby becomes a playable character in the second half, countless people have been immediately checking out and refusing to see if see Abby's side of the story. Her story uh, was one of the best parts of the game, in my opinion. But it is frustrating to see people see, uh, frustrating seeing people see who they are playing as and immediately check out for the rest of the game to where no matter what happens, they are disappointed the entire time. Aren't and aren't willing to see uh, where the story has to say. Thoughts. This is all what I've been. This is what's been surprising to me. I think the turn in the killing and, and the deaths, like that's all surprising, but it's been this reaction. And I know I've talked about it in some of this stuff, but like when blessing shared that initial reveal of the last of us part two, uh, at, I think it was PSX. Right. And we, Oh, you watch it and you listen to the crowd roar. I, I was watching it. And at the time I remember being excited. Of course it's last of us. It's amazing. Yada, yada, yada. But watching it after having beaten the last of us part two, and to think about how, emotional and not emo but emo this game is and like what it's going for to see it celebrated like it's a fast and furious trailer is such a juxtaposition and i think it's you nailed it janet of there's so many joel stands out there of people who every time i've said in the past that no i think joel is the bad guy in this story are like what are you talking about you don't you don't have a daughter you do anything you could to pretend and it's like well humanity and not really his daughter but i digress and taking away her she said she didn't want this to be for nothing. You just made it for nothing. You totally invalidated her choices because yours are more important. I digress. But to get here and see the game double down on that line, right? That, yeah, no, Joel made a bad move here and he's going to pay for it. Whether that's right or wrong, you get to decide and play through it. Somebody put out a tweet the other day of like, bad storytelling isn't storytelling you don't agree with. The, the fact that you don't agree with what they're, these characters are doing in the story doesn't mean it's a bad story. It just means that it's not what you wanted, which... It's kind of fucked up because you didn't make the character. Yeah, and I, and I can see that too. I think 
the Fast and Furious comparison, I think, is very interesting because on one hand, I the Last of Us Part Two is a very heavy action game. Like when I think of when I think of other pieces of media, I would compare it to like Walking Dead is a comparison I'd make, but that's because both of them are are post apocalyptic. You know, it, in that's really that's really the only thing. And I guess if I if I if I saw a crowd cheering for Rick from The Walking Dead walking on on screen or Michonne. Yeah. I wouldn't feel as, as 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 taken out of it, but I don't know. I th- I think the last is part two as a as a piece of media is just interesting in that regard because it does kind of balance this uh, very heavy story that goes for a lot of emotion that goes for for a lot of um, well within the last is part two specifically right goes for subverting your your expectations and goes for trying to tell this um, do this character study that is about revenge and hate and the cycle of that and where that can lead you and and they touch on a lot of very emotional a very a, a lot of very warm and a lot of very dark and grim subjects in a lot in a lot of a lot of those tones but yeah like have, see, having that trailer where where joel comes through and people people go, crowd people um shout and go crazy right like it, it's a it's a hard thing to balance because i think for i think for this type of video game i'm not i'm not gonna say it's something new but i i think it's something that we're still kind of like like not even struggling with but reckoning with uh as far as what video games are and what they mean to different people because yeah, yeah like yeah. for a lot of people there are so many people that are fans of joel there are so many people that are fans of ellie there are so many people that are fans of these characters and a, a big part of that is because you play as these characters for about say 15 hours in the first game you have you have that connection um and so yeah when those when those characters get lost like i on one hand, I kind of, I kind of get from the fandom perspective of, oh, you killed my guy, you killed my boy. That was Joel. That was my guy. On the other hand, it's like, yeah, man, this is a game that's telling its own story. So I, it's, it's, it's such a hard thing for me to kind of grapple with and kind of balance. Because even if, if we, if we saw a trailer for, uh, I'm trying to think of, it, if we saw a trailer for Telling Lies too, for example, at the next whatever showcase. I wouldn't expect cheers from a crowd if they see the same characters from Killing Lies <laughs> One because it's like, why are you, why are you cheering like this? It's not, it's not that type of story. It's not that type of game. But for the last part two, which is like this action, this heavy action experience that is also mixed with like this, this, this very intense serious experience. I, I almost don't know, you know, where those reactions should lie in that case when it, when it comes to being a fan of these characters and losing these characters in that way. I think too, like kind of walking it a little bit back from just the gut reaction of, oh my God, like Joel's here and we're back and we're going again. Like, you know, I think people are excited because they like the first game and they're like another, another great game. So that's kind of, games are weird in that people do cheer when they see trailers. It's just like, oh, that's, I think it's a little bit a lot for any trailer. I just am not a cheer for trailer kind of person, but to kind of go back to that idea of people really disconnecting once you have to make the switch, at least some players. Um, I think basically what kind of happened in a weird way, and I, I put out a tweet that was um, a lot more snippy than how I'll phrase it now, but <laughs> the last of Us one left me feeling like, damn, that was kind of like, you know, it's kind of fucked up. Like Joel kind of did some fucked up shit. And now we're just going to walk away like, we're going to learn how to swim. I'm like, that was sketchy and weird and crazy. Um, and that's how I, I left feeling when I finished Last of Us 1. But I think if you did think Joel was right, you didn't feel that way. And that game actually isn't as dark to that person as it was to me. And The Last of Us 2 does the same thing. It's like, it kind of makes Ellie, 
it eventually paints Ellie in a darker light. And Last of Us 1 painted Joel eventually in a darker light. Though, to be honest, Joel was in a dark light immediately. It got better and then went back and, you know, but we can have that conversation. That's a kind of a separate conversation. And what kind of really floors me is what I basically said on Twitter was some of y'all are mad at The Last of Us 2 for doing exactly what The Last of Us 1 did. The only difference is your reaction. You happen to agree with what Joel was doing. So you stuck with him through, you know, that decision because you were in support of it you didn't agree with what ellie was doing to either whether you thought she shouldn't go on this quest or whether you didn't like that she didn't finish it off um now that you, ellie is kind of shown as evil you can't handle it but like that happened with joel too so it, yeah. it kind of to me just sort of exposed that divide in the fandom and uh, i think it's also a divide that i'm not sure how the creators felt like leaving when last of us one came out because i'm kind of surprised with how many people thought Joel was like in the right there. And I think that's what caused like such a severe flip for last of us too. Yeah. And I think again, where I think this is going to be one we talk about for so long, it's interesting that so many people talked about last of us part one, but didn't get that. Didn't argue that didn't see the other side of it of like, why no Joel isn't necessarily doing the right thing. You know what I mean? Didn't even sit there and have that argument. And what then is shocking is what you mentioned here is like, I've seen so much feedback and even in people here. And again, this isn't like you're wrong. It's just not what I would have ever thought. So many people that are like, and in the end, Ellie doesn't even kill Abby. Why didn't she do it? It was, this whole thing was for nothing. She went and it's like, well, yeah, but she finally got the lesson, right? Like the entire mm -hmm. time as she's gearing up to set off and leave Jackson, you, I personally just want to shake her and be like, no, like, you look at the cycle here of like what you're doing of revenge. Like you're becoming Joel. Did Joel seem happy? Did Joel, Joel should have taken whatever chance he could have had to have a easy life and fall in love and, ha you know, and you just chill out and be a person rather than chase these things, these ghosts and these ideas across the world. But you're about to go do that. And you don't see how that's going to lead you to the exact same spot. And let, let alone the fact of like, I know she isn't talking to Abby, but us as players know that, Abby has done what Ellie is setting out to do, and Abby is not fulfilled. <laughs> Abby has lost the man she loved. Uh, she has this amazing physique that was built for one reason to kill Joel, and now she's just this person that was consumed by one thing, and she has it now. And you know, it's it's back to hunting scars, I guess. Like that's now your purpose. Like she's not happy. How? Why would we project that onto Ellie and want that? Why wouldn't we want her redemption at the end? I digress. John, <laughs> John Fick writes in uh, with one of the reviews that we got and says, The Last of Us Part Two is devastating. It's a story not just about anger and revenge, but about the cost and the worth of seeing them through. It's a story that's meant to make you uncomfortable. You'll need to take some breaks, and you'll beg the story to go in a different direction than it's ultimately going. It's a game about understanding perspectives other than your own, and in that, it succeeded tenfold. Of course, it is still a game, and it's without a doubt the best game Naughty Dog has made in terms of the way it plays. You'll be nudged to be stealthy with some of the best single-player level design I've ever seen. And if you try to ignore that, you'll find yourself emptying your inventory just to get through a small firefight. The hopelessness you feel when you're out of literally everything you need to win the fight is perfectly mirrored in the hopelessness you'll feel uh, with the reason you're fighting in the first place. The Last of Us Part 2 is a masterpiece. Dun, dun, dun. Agreed. And well said, I thought. So many people wrote in with questions. Other people just wrote in to heat praise on it. And a lot of these reviews, yeah. or these questions, I've edited out the entire front that is like, hey, Blessing, hey, Greg, love all the discussions. This is what's going on. Thought the game went, I'm like, all right, let's get to the question. <laughs> but so many people wrote in with just pure reviews. I want to make sure they were. Yeah, I like, I like the pure, pure reviews because it, it, for this game in particular, especially, I, I, I really enjoy 
enjoy hearing and seeing what people have to say about it because totally. I think this is one of those games where more so than even even more so than a game like Death Stranding that came out late last year that had such a polarized discussion about it. I think this game it it kind of being more of a traditional um, action stealth post apocalyptic game kind of allows those discussions to be a little bit more focused in terms sure. of what we're actually talking about what we're actually breaking down because with, with death stranding a lot of that conversation was all right like kojima's being weird and like okay but sh should kojima be allowed to be weird and in what yeah. ways are is this weird is this weirdness fun and like a, lo a lot of those conversations got muddy and, and ridiculous in ways that it's like can we actually talk about what this man is doing in the game or, or what or what the themes here are or what no. or, or what this actually means <laughs> um and so, yeah, with Last of Us Part 2, I, I do enjoy the fact that it, it seems like people are, are more so um, picking apart things that the actual game is doing here and, yeah. and we're able to actually have deeper conversations about it. Exactly. There's a real discussion going on about the messages and the symbolism and that. I don't think I would. I, and I, I shouldn't I don't want to talk completely out of turn, but I don't see people arguing about the gameplay of how was the gameplay good or was the shooting bad or was the stealth fun like that's not even part of it it's more the intentions the story the reasoning the characterizations which is a fascinating thing to see and what i think is like again what i hope you know as our medium continues to evolve we see mm. more of because yeah death stranding was like i thought it was boring i thought it was meditative all right you know and then we're all like yeah hey, kojima's weird there's a baby on a beach you know what i mean it was yeah what's weird. a bt yeah. what does yeah. this represent yeah and so and that's what's been fascinating about it. And in this vein, Owen Shannon writes into patreon.com slash kind of funny games and says, has the last of us part two broken video game reviews. I imagine every video game review gets met with outrage from someone parentheses, i.e. Greg's uncharted three review, which I personally agree with and parentheses, but the outrage around this game strikes me as different. For the most part, it seems like gameplay heavy reviews are unanimously perfect, but story heavy reviews are more scattered. There have been a handful of times that a game has reached there's there has been a hand there have only been a handful of times that a game has reached such a high level of technical quality that it would seem impossible to give it anything less than a perfect score. Story aside, arguing that The Last of Us Part Two deserves less than a perfect score is in the technical realm is almost absurd. Other games that fit this criteria to me include Red Dead 2, God of War, and Uncharted 4. I see these games as being in another class because they are so technically impressive that they earn the ability to be discussed as movies or literature rather than as games. I think my own question is best seen through the, the difference between Dornbush's review for IGN and Callie's review for GameSpot. Dornbush uh, focused more on his opinion of the game itself with vague illusions that the story is emotional or thrilling. But Callie focused more on how the story impacted uh, her experience with a game. I believe it is almost impossible not to give The Last of Us Part Two a 10 from the Dornbush approach, but Callie's choice essentially to review her thoughts on the story make her 8 perfectly valid as well, especially since the quality of the game demands it. But surely, saying that The Last of Us Part Two is an 8 out of 10 is, an, is underselling it, right? I guess what I'm asking should, is, should a game like The Last of Us Part Two be punished for demanding more in-depth discussion? Video games are often reviewed as products, as blessings been as blessing has been saying, where the quality of the gameplay is the most heavily weighted aspect, and the story is gravy. So, should games media make the distinction in the future when a game is so high quality that the story becomes the review and the gameplay is the gravy? I I really like so this question. 
I, there's a lot here, and I, it's a and podcast I really unto li- itself now. <laughs> I really like where this question went. I do disagree with with one part of it, um, and that is where Owen says. Story aside, arguing that the Last of Us Part Two de- deserves less than a perfect score in the technical realm is almost absurd. I I disagree. For me, when it comes to the Last of Us Part Two, mainly the issues I have are with gameplay. Like the main the the way I've kind of been describing this uh, this game as the weeks have gone is um, the fact that. For me, The Last of Us Part Two is the both the most unpredictable Naughty Dog game and the the most ambitious Naughty Dog, Dog game, and also in a lot of ways the most predictable Naughty Dog game. Uh, in terms of you know, I've been I've been watching friends replay the or not even replay the game, play the game for the first time themselves. Um, you know, just to either like experience it again or to see their gameplay of it. And a thing that a thing that keeps got kind of getting brought up is the fact that yeah, at a certain point like every few minutes you're going to come across the locked door at a certain point like you're gonna have to find another way around to get to a place at a certain point like something is gonna is gonna divert your journey to make what would have been like a a a five minute task turn into a a three-hour character arc that 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 turns into a whole thing and part of that a big part of that is that's naughty dog's game design philosophy that's how that's how they go about things that's how they go about making their games um and i think for for the most part a lot of that stuff works but for me, and now that we, we can even talk about spoilers, I can talk about like the Abby stuff stuff freely. For me, like that last half of the game, even though I I, I like that stuff the most, story wise and narrative wise, I think gameplay wise, that's where a lot of stuff started to get um, uh, paced out, uh, or that, that stuff starts started to be long in the, long in the tooth for me in a way where the pacing was thrown off, in a way where you know, I started to feel like, all right, this stuff is kind of lasting too long each chapter. Like, I feel like this is kind of going on forever in, in, in certain places. And again, like, when it comes down to when we zoom back, zoom zoom back, zoom out, I'm like, all right, yeah, this gameplay is fantastic. Overall, I really enjoyed this experience. But I do think there are things there that you can kind of you can kind of take apart that wouldn't necessarily make it a like as a as a pure technical gameplay experience a ten out of ten. If you want to talk about graphics, you want to talk about uh, presentation, a lot of other things. You know, I could. I would say those things are a 10 out of 10 for me, but I don't think it's as like definitive that, um, you know, story aside, everything else like easily, like absurd not to be a 10 out of 10. I don't necessarily um, agree with that. The part of the question though, where Owen's talking about um, should a game like the last us be punished for demanding more in-depth discussion, I think is really interesting. And I think, it, I think it's a double-edged sword because I think, for Last of Us Part Two, a game that feels like it's doing a lot in its story and its narrative and in its gameplay and how those things interact with with uh, the violence that, that goes on and, and the cyclical nature of violence and the, the commentary that it has on that, you are kind of inviting critique. You are you are inviting more yeah. critique the more the um, you know the more in depth you go into those those, those topics and in, in, in those things that you're tackling and so in some ways like yes i agree that the last is part two it goes way deeper than so many games right like the last is part two is a deeper game than mario odyssey it's a deeper game than than um even even so many other action games that come out that are that are in the same genre but i do think when you go that deep you do bring on the risk of hey there are more things to pick apart there are more things to talk about there are more more reasons for me like even though there are more reasons for me, for me to love this game, there are also more reasons for me to ha- take issue with it and have and have problems with it. Sure, Janet. 
Mario Odyssey is also a game where you play as the villain for a certain point, and it's one of the best parts of the game. <laughs> just going to throw that oh. connection out there, um, just because it, it popped into my head when you said that. There's a lot to unpack here. I will not be able to probably unpack all of it, but I'm going to you try to take your best shot. <laughs> yes. Oh, there's so many things. I guess I'll I'll add to what Blessing said. I I totally agree. I don't. I also don't think, and this is one reason we like backed up from the point something like nine point something we just now have the flat numbers when we had the points people kind of felt like well why is this an 8.7 and not an 8.8 what's the 0.7 for and i'm like you just sense it and that wasn't really a good answer for anyone so we kind of (laughs) removed it because there's not a good way to explain that to readers um everyone approaches game reviews differently every outlet every youtuber podcaster whatever um we, for the most part, no, and these two outlets specifically, no longer calculate reviews in any way. There's no like the graphics are this, the sound is this. Yeah, like, this is how like you're like there was a scientific method that it all yeah. added up to the thing. Exactly, and then um, for I, I fundamentally disagree with the idea of a game being so technically proficient that it's a ten. I don't think technical proficiency gives you anything other than. A tip of the hat to you, even though I don't actually understand how to make <laughs> games, so I can't actually even I can't even tell what you did that was impressive because I don't know game development. Um, you know, Red Dead actually, it's funny they bring up Red Dead too. I think that's a like I I don't like that game. I think it's aggressively dull um, and very clunky. It looks beautiful. That didn't make me like it anymore or appreciate it from a critical perspective anymore. If I were to you know analyze it, so I definitely disagree with that. Just not even using Last of Us Two as an example. Uh, I think Blessing pointed out a lot of um good critiques in that regard i just don't think that's a there is such a thing of it being a technical 10 like it being running well has nothing to do with whether or not the game is good it's just like you made a thing that worked really well or that looked really good that's it um as far as the question of should a game like the last of us 2 be punished for demanding a more depth in-depth discussion um i'm gonna push back on the idea that having story be a, a large role in how you review a game is a punishment. I think if your game is a story-driven game, the story matters a lot. You know, if the story in Gone Home sucked, that game wouldn't have been good. I think the story is fantastic. I think the gameplay lends the story really well. Thus, it's, a, you know, I analyze the story of Gone Home a lot more than I do in, like, I guess I'll just use Mario Odyssey Apex. again. You already mentioned Apex. Anything <laughs> else, you know, it's not the same. It's, it's a different game trying to do a different thing. The Last of Us 2 and The Last of Us in general has always been very story driven so if you don't think the story is good the gameplay is not crazy there's nothing in my opinion you know in terms of feel i i think god of war is a more intriguing gameplay experience than like the last of us 2 even is just in like how the leviathan acts feels like Mm -hmm. but we don't review games like that we don't really piecemeal them It's, it's true that oftentimes story isn't as relevant it's always mentioned but in certain games you really just don't need it to have a good story Tetris doesn't have a good story, and it's one of the greatest games of all time. It just depends on the kind of game you're trying to make. I think, too, it's it's kind of interesting that uh, Owen also has this person's name, Owen. Um, <laughs> Shouldn't have been with Mel. Mel's terrible. It, it, yeah, yeah. You know, Mel Mel did... Mel was a little annoying. Okay. <laughs> I was Mel did wrong, but I didn't really like Mel. Um, it's interesting that he, or this person, mentions that if you, based on how Jonathan reviewed it and how Callie reviewed it, both their scores make sense. I'm going to say that's not based on how they reviewed it. I think that's based on wh- how they wrote the review. Yep. And I think it makes sense that 
Jonathan gave it a 10 and his review reads as a 10. Callie gave it an 8 and her review reads like an 8 or at least very close to something around there. I think that's just how they felt about the game. I think they had different readings of the text. For Jonathan, clearly the story was dynamic and thrilling. And and for Callie, who went back and did a, a spoiler version of her review, which you guys should check out if you haven't already, um, for her, it felt a little bit too one note and she had other criticisms of it. I think those are valid interpretations and they're just different ways to go about it. For me, saying... Like, I wouldn't say it's an 8 out of 10 game, The Last of Us 2. That's underselling what I think of the game. But once again, that's why we all have different opinions on games. Like, it's an undersell to you, but to someone, it might be an oversell. Like, there are people that just don't find this gameplay or the story interesting enough to really be worth the hype. I strongly disagree, but that's just a difference in opinions. Yeah, I think, you know, he starts, it has The Last of Us Part 2 broken video game reviews. I would argue that The Last of Us Part 2 has proven why it's the best time to be someone who consumes video game reviews. I love the fact that we can have this conversation and that uh, IGN can be one thing, GameSpot can be another, Kotaku, Polygon, down the, you know, us on YouTube, right? Like, easy allies. You name it, somebody else has it. And to exactly what you're saying, Janet, they're laying out their argument and backing it up. They're making it. They're making a case for it, and you, as Owen says, like you know, Callie's case works. Jonathan's case works. Like that's what this is. And you know, even talking to Neil on the spoiler cast, like they knew this was going to be a game that was divisive, and they knew that it would like some people would dig it, some people won it. Like I think they, especially like you're saying, for being a narrative game, like that's what The Last of Us is known for, right? They knew what they were getting into. And I think these are the kind of discussions they wanted. Like, I don't think they're worried about the score being an eight instead of a 10 on this one. Because again, obviously, I think, you know, the Metacritic's pretty good for them right now. And I would imagine with my Magic 8 ball that, yep, game of the year is going to look pretty good for them too. Like, I think they're going to do quite nice, you know, in terms of even just noms, if we want to go that far, let alone wins. Because who knows what Cyberpunk's going to do? Who knows when Simon Carty's going to re-review Predator Hunting Grounds and give it the score it deserves? Like, there's a whole bunch of different things that could happen there, but like this outside and like, and it's cause it's so such a fucking weird ball of wax right now outside of the leaks and the harassment and the review bombing, this kind of discussion, the reaction you're having good or bad, you know, sad or happy is what they want. They wanted to hit you emotionally and have, and have you care enough about their world, their universe, their characters to have a reaction like this. And so, yeah, I don't think this is video game reviews are broken. I think that this is, video game reviews work and uh, you know I, as somebody who at ign had worked with both the 20 point scale that or no the 100 point scale then the 20 point scale then the 100 point scale again before i left like i always like the 20 point scale better because it was hey this isn't science there is no scientific method i wish there was that you put a game into a machine and it went beep up beep up and this is the actual score this is how it makes sense no this is art and everybody's going to find something different in art and that's why i think you're having so many great discussions about this game I think, too, really quick in, in terms of scores, because um, I think people, you know, maybe don't know a lot about the process of reviewing a game, especially like a written review, which is very different than like, you know, a, po- a podcast or even just a video review where it's a lot like a lot of people watch our video reviews and they're like, this is your review. And it is. But it's also a very shortened version of what our, you know, I wrote like 2000 words on like CTR. Like I made a three minute video. We made it. We made a three minute video on that. That's not <laughs> no one's gonna watch like a 20 minute video on a, on a racing game like a remake but um, a lot of the way we go about scoring i think people think that we're just like this is the score and then we like write down a review it's it's actually the opposite like and i imagine uh you know i'm sure callie put in plenty of thought into her and work into her review she clearly she reviewed it twice so like yeah this is clearly someone who's thought very carefully about this game 
Um, and that number is more of a reflection on what was written and what was felt and what was thought about. It's not like a guttural reaction. So, you know, that's why they, they often, they should match because we, you don't really know what you feel about a game in terms of review until you really formally get it out there, uh, through, whether it's through writing, through conversation or through whatever. So um, I think it's always something important to keep in mind. I think sometimes people think that we don't put as much thought, even though we clearly wrote a lot of words, but like, this is always the last thing that's decided after careful consideration. I want to go in a different direction here with Gal Brandt, who wrote in to patreon.com slash kind of funny games, just like you can, and says, do you think the reception of The Last of Us Part 2 would have been any different if the marketing only focused on Abby instead and made no mention of Joel and Ellie? Basically, a reverse Metal Gear Solid 2. I felt if I played Abby first during the Seattle chapters, yeah, first during Abby during the Seattle chapters with Abby's WLF friends uh, and get to bond with them first, and then maybe you know have a reference to Jackson throughout the chapters and having the reveal about Abby's father in day two, and th- this is just one run on sentence. I'm sorry, and then have the <laughs> Ellie boss fight. Uh, uh, Yo, there, there are no th- periods in this thing. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah, but you understand what he's what uh, Galbrandt's driving at here, right? Of like, what if we played yeah. it in Ruth? Yeah. I had a really diff- difficult time giving Abby the point, Abby's point of view a chance. Yara and Lev were the only ones I cared about in Abby's chapters, uh, and Lev is the real MVP. I just think, if I didn't have all the hatred for Abby beforehand, I would have been more conflicted about Ellie's revenge. The only time I gave Abby the time of day is when I saw her on the pillar, or saw her at the pillar. Uh, that's when my hatred for her evaporated. That's when I was finally against Ellie uh, when she drew the knife on Lev, and when Ellie was in the, the process of drowning Abby. What what do you think of this take? I think this has been interesting. Even you know, uh, Hallie Gross, uh, one of the writers alongside Neil, co-writers of the game, uh, put up a, a, a Twitter photo the other day that was like, "Oh yeah," and here's like one of the t- things when we were talking about maybe moving around the timeline, and it was a different look and having the barn scene way up front, like having the you know a totally different look at how the game would have shaken out. Do you think reaction would have been uh, less visceral if we would have played as Abby, not knowing, I guess, that she killed Joel, but knowing something had happened in Jackson? Man, that's a deep question. It's that's, a it's a, a it's a multiverse kind of thing, right? Of like look, yeah. trying to take a game you did and look into it. And it's probably a if, universe where this game exists. If you guys believe in like parallel universes, yeah, right. Someone's yeah, and I do. I so, so yeah, in, terms of, in terms of the marketing, if the marketing only focused on Abby and we didn't know that we were going to get Joel and Ellie until we started playing the game, I think that I think as an artistic move, as like a, a piece of like viral marketing, I guess, I think that could be really cool. I think. Th- I, I think that then lends to the game selling way less copies and people being way upset mm-hmm. way beforehand. I don't think people would have been able to take that um, because we we associate the last of us with Joel and Ellie, which I think, I think when you look at the visceral reaction, specific, specifically like a lot of the the pre-release reaction to spoilers in terms of that anger, I think when you look at that, what you can boil that down to is that people just associate the last of us with Joel and Ellie, and people are such big fans of just Joel and Ellie. And so when we when we get to that to that point in the game where Joel is taken away from us so early, and then you get to that point in the game where where the game then switches to Abby, you know, I I, I think people are are just thrown off by it, and I think moving that process up to the trailers and to the marketing and to the to the to the rollout as opposed to hey just throw let's just throw, let's just throw them in the game and and let them see for themselves, um, I think it would have gotten if anything maybe even more vitriol, <laughs> um, that would have maybe like been that 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 would have gotten better as the game came out and people actually experienced it but i think that i I still think that you would have gotten more vitriol that way um as opposed to the way they already did it 
Yeah, I, I think, think it depends on. Oh, go ahead, Greg. No, no, please, please. That's uh, that's the the fun part of these calls, right? Where it's like, wait, are we? Is she? Are we saying something? Or what's that? I don't know. <laughs> it's like, is this a pause? Are you frozen? Yeah. <laughs> we don't really know. Um, yeah, it's the drawback of not having actual eye contact with people. But I, I, it could go either way. I think Blessing brings up a good point of well, definitely the sales fight wouldn't be as good. Yeah. And uh, I think it might make Ellie look. more... It depends on. I'd have to somehow get the statistics on what people are really angry about. I think we have several answers for what people are angry about, you know, putting aside the really dark answers, like just regular story stuff. Like, I, I think that would make Ellie look more evil, so maybe people would be more angry. Like, because I, I think that's part of what people didn't like about it, that, like, now we see Ellie as, like, this bad person, and not only is she a bad person, she's a bad person that doesn't even finish her evil job. This is the worst, you know? <laughs> like, the worst villain of all time. A bad person with no follow-through. Like, oh, uh, you hate to see it. Um, yeah, so I think it would have made people enjoy playing as Abby initially more, but I do think when that's when that if they were to unveil like the murder of Joel, people still would have completely flipped and then I guess the emotions would have just been in a different order essentially is kind of how how I see that playing out. I think I that would it... say I probably wouldn't want to play that Metal Gear game that they advertised cuz I did not want to be right in. In the in this universe that this happens, I feel like the backlash would have been even more severe if we start playing as abby after the events you go through you don't fully understand it and then it's this reveal that you're the one who kills joe and we see everything that happens in the uh you know chateau or whatever like i feel that would have been it making you love her and then revealing she's a terrible person in, in air quotes right would have really pissed people off i think it's more interesting to see her start from the place of this is a villain she's the best the, the way we understand video games you know that like Ellie's the hero, Abby's the villain, that is clear as day. And then as you play through, uh, and you're like, why am I playing as the villain? And then hopefully, if the game does its job and you allow it in, it does this thing of like, well, no, no one's the villain. There's, you know, she's somebody who was wronged in the same way, uh, you know, Ellie's now been wrong. So why are you cheering for Ellie? But, you know, cursing Abby, it doesn't make any sense, right? That's what this is all about. It would have, I think, if you would have gone all that way and been like, sure, this Abby girl's cool. Yeah, the, the game sold way less. This Abby girl's cool. And then get to this point of like, wait, the, what the fuck? Wait, I is killed that Joel? I, yeah, exactly. I killed Joel. <laughs> and this is the first game. Yeah, exactly. I think people would have lost their minds. And, and uh, granted, that they already weird. did. That would have been, I, I would, honestly, as a twist, I wish I could live in the dimension where that happened, where you're playing this game where you're, you have no idea that Joel and Ellie is there. And then halfway through the game, you get to a boss fight and you're like, huh. It looks like Joel. oh, that's Joel. Oh, snap! And then you kill him. That'd be a that'd be. I'd want to see the audience reaction to that. Like, I mean, yeah, dude. I mean, you was. You, I mean, like for reactions for sure. If you're going through that whole thing and it is that you you're playing at you know you uh, you and Lev approach the theater and like you're trying to find a way in and you finally find a way in and you find the paperwork and like you they've been hunting us and you get fucking down there and fucking Ellie bursts through the door and like the first time yeah. we've seen her in ten hours or whatever. Holy shit, that'd be incredible. That, I'm stressed hearing you guys describe what this game is because in general, <laughs> theater scene made me feel ill in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. You're just walking up there and like, too, I don't know about y'all, but like when we first got to the theater, I'm like, I feel like you should make that. La that ladder seems a little close to the ground for anyone to just bust into the safe theater you have. Sure, no one will take advantage of that 10 hours later. And like, well, I mean, like, just in general, showing up in the amount of light, the amount of light that's pouring out of that, just being like, we're here, we're here. I'm like, oh, God, no. Like, yeah. It's, I love how many times this game makes you feel like you just don't want to be in it anymore, but like in a, yeah. in a really compelling and twisted way. But maybe I'm just messed up. But so is everyone in the game. So I feel like it's fine. You fit right in. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, let's talk about that feeling. June M writes into patreon.com slash kind of funny games to be part of PS. I love you. XOXO. Just like you can. It says I finished the last of us part two last night and haven't stopped thinking about it. I am honestly very torn about the experience despite enjoying the moment to moment. I think my biggest disappointment in the game is simply that there is not enough direct dialogue or textual evidence to indicate that the players are, or I'm sorry, the characters are learning the lessons the game is attempting to teach the player. I noticed this most during the island area with Lev, in which Abby says the monumental line, you are my people to him. Abby literally kills her former allies to save his life in a very similar way that Joel did for Ellie. It is not clear that Abby even realizes this. In the end, too, I would have liked a moment of realization from Ellie that Lev is in a similar position to the one she was once in as well, uh, and that Abby would do the same thing as as taking Joel. You know what I mean? Uh, this seems, or the, uh, these things seem obvious to the player narratively, but doesn't seem as obvious to the characters themselves. Ellie doesn't kill Abby, but it's not clear that Lev factors much into it. What do you think? Do the characters understand the parallels between their own stories? Do they feel empathetic for empathy for each other and Joel? Will there be an opportunity in the future for us to see these characters express this more explicitly? Janet, do you think the characters? are in the moment learning their lesson no yeah absolutely not (laughs) like it's just what i what this game does is what i think a lot of different fiction potentially does because it's all storytelling in different forms uh that's what sucks about being third person omniscient guys like even though we're (laughs) the characters so it's kind of pov is kind of weird in games because you're also in the game because you're playing the characters but you can see both sides we have the privilege of that and that's why so often you know, there are dramas, this often happens with like dramas, or even maybe sometimes horror movies where people in your mind, or maybe even aloud, depending on if you're at home, you might be like, oh no, like I do this one thing, or why can't you see this, you know, because it's so obvious, but it's only yeah. obvious because we have the privilege of seeing all of it, you know, we're like a god looking down on everything. So yeah, I mean, the reason that we make the connection, the characters don't, is because Abby and Ellie have never spoken to each other outside of like, let me never see you again. Or I let you live, yeah, yeah. Was, you know, quick little fighting quips. Yeah, they don't know each other, yeah. yeah. They have no idea. They have no idea what's happening with the other person. All they see is this person showed up to kill me. And then this person also showed up to kill me again, or this person killed whoever. <laughs> or I know you killed so-and-so cause I saw their body. Like, you know, it's, it's these passing things. They're not going to be, I mean, I think one way to think about it is if you were one of those characters and you only saw your, your day one, two and three, what would you think? You know, like, I, I don't, I also like, too, that it's not in your face whether or not there's any emotional growth. We get some hints at things, like, clearly Abby cares about Lev, and she's kind of seeking redemption through that in ways that we've seen through other characters. And Ellie, I don't know, she's just broken and just all types of messed up and just sitting there and it's dark and you're just like, some, you know, sometimes you don't always get, like, in, in life there's not these neat, tidy endings. And I think the lack of concrete growth from these characters is an expression of that. That's the thing for me personally, like, right. And we want to talk about like, uh, again, yeah, you're in this weird murderer standoff with someone who's killed somebody, you know, you know, whether you're Abby or you're Ellie in this thing, like that's such a crank it to 11 thing, but take it back and put into any time any of us have experienced emotional growth. I don't know about you guys. That so rarely happens to me in the moment when I'm yelling at somebody, when I'm in a fight, when it not like a fist fight, but you know what I mean? Like an argument or like, even when I just feel that I'm right. And it's not until you later with a cooler head, sit back and reflect on it. Right. And I think that's the whole point of 
Ellie having won, she's on top of Abby. She's drowning Abby. This is what she wanted, right? This is in quotes what she wanted, but there is this flash of Joel and it is this, you know, I can't forgive you, but I want to try memory and where they left their relationship. And I think which plays into the relationship she had. And then to, uh, and on some level, see Abby with Lev and the way she wanted to protect. And like when Abby came off the pillar, right, it wasn't immediately like, I'm going to fuck you up. It was, I'm going to get Lev. And then I started walking and then looked back and like, there's boats this way, like explain to her, like, come on, let's get out of here. Like there, I think there's enough, there are enough breadcrumbs there that you have to assume the characters are having those moments on their own. In the same way, I think that Abby never sits down in this game and is like, man, my quest to kill Joel was empty. I thought, you know, she doesn't have this like soliloquy of like, I thought it would solve everything and I would have a perfect life afterwards, but I've done it and nothing is solved and I'm still super sad and everything's still fucked up. Like that's left for us to see through animations and moves and Abby, you know, taking over uh, for Yara and Lev and being like, no, no, like you're my people. Like, let's redeem this. Let's do something. Yeah, I'm there too. And in a way, I I don't necessarily think the last is part two is a game that is trying to say, it's not it's not a game about revenge being being bad per se right yeah. it's a game it's a game about the 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 road to destruction that you're headed down on that cyclical um cycle up cyclical cycle on that cycle of revenge um but i don't think i don't i don't think the characters get that anywhere near the the way that we get that to the way to the point that janet's saying right us as a third party we're able to understand that lesson because we're seeing all these these chess pa- chess pieces at play and where and where they lay and how and how they end up. Um, I remember at a certain point in Abby's story, I can't remember if this is a a note she finds or if this was a story that she was telling Manny. But on their way to like walking somewhere, they were talking about revenge. They were talking about hey, yeah, there were like these two factions and they kept like these guys went and like you know uh, killed some of the, some of their people and so their people actually returned fire and that's why like there's a war here and mm-hmm. they're really like nailing it home at like oh yeah revenge is a thing oh yeah the revenge is leading to the these warring factions it is leading down this road to destruction in that moment abby's not like oh yeah i did get revenge on joel didn't i man that kind of <laughs> sucks no but she she's very aware that re- revenge in in this in this um uh this cycle of violence is bad but i i don't think the point of the game is is um the lessons that the characters learn from that i think that is i think it is more so just an illustration to us the audience that yeah hey no this is what this this is where this path led them and towards the end of the game we do get that point where ellie ellie gives up on the fight and is like i'm going home um and i think even even with abby right like when love when love stops her you see abby go all right, yeah, I'm not going to do this. I'm just going to go. Um, but I think those are very, those are very much meant to be those, I guess, subtle indications of that. And they're so subtle that at points I'm like, I don't know if they even really got the message. Like, I don't even, I don't, I don't know if Ellie, Ellie went home and was like, yeah, revenge is bad. I learned a thing today. I think Ellie, like Ellie was just at a point of being fed up emotionally and and and, and fed up by being eaten, eaten away at this thing that, you know, it was worth her just leaving it alone and, and, and going home. I think, too, I, I love that you brought up that scene between Abby and Manny. I think Mel was there, too, but who would know? Because we just forget Mel exists. Yeah, um, Mel doesn't exist. It doesn't matter. Uh, but when they were talking about that, I think it might have been Mel who brought up, oh, but they were just kids. And they were like, yeah, well, they were kids, but they I'm, they got caught up. So, like, we're just going to kill them the same way we kill everybody else. It doesn't matter. And we see 
Abby literally used that line like a few hours later to say like they're just kid like talking about the Seraphite Tiara yeah. and and Lev. So yeah. I actually would argue that we see indicators of like at least change. It might not be growth for the positive, but they're these are not the same people that started this game. Who they were on Seattle Day 1, ooh, dog, is not the same person they were on Seattle Day 3 or at Santa Barbara. Um, and we even see that physically manifested, too. Obviously, you can say, oh, it's because they were, like, the Rattlers or whatever, you know. But, like, this is the only – Ellie's gone through so much physical crap because it's a video game. But Santa Barbara is where she has the wound that you just can't get the bandages to heal, right? There's a reason for that. They made that as an intentional decision. So I think it's subtle, but there are indicators of that change. I also don't feel like this game was meant to give the player a specific message. I think like any text, there are, I'm sure there was obviously creator intent for what people, what the creators wanted players to leave feeling or thinking about. But ultimately there's a bunch of different themes you can pull from The Last of Us 2 because it's a very dynamic story. And that's why I, I don't think it's just a game about hate or a game about revenge is bad or killing people is bad or don't stab the dog because that's someone's dog like I, I think it goes way deeper than that and there's so many ways to analyze it uh which a lot of uh, readers actually did which i thought was you know always cool to read other people's perspectives on that blessing you said something interesting when you were talking you don't think that when ellie got home she was like revenge is bad this was all for nothing and i mean not like obviously in that exact thing but like her playing Dear the guitar diary. or trying to play the guitar right and singing mm -hmm. future days which again I can't compliment Naughty Dog enough on the fact that that like that, you know, those that opening, I don't know, anyway, the opening lyrics of Future Days like sums up her relationship with Joel, her relationship with Dina, her relationship with Abby, Abby's relationship, like of just like, you know, if I ever, ever lose you, I'd surely lose myself. I think when she tries to play it at the end and can't play it is literally her not saying it. But for, I think we're as clear as a day in her head that like. I've lost myself. I've literally mm. chased this stupid thing and I lost I lost Dina, which means I lost myself and I lost Joel and I lost myself. I don't think she sees it in the same way that that we see it. Like I, I think for her, I think that her giving up that chase of Abby and being like, I'm going home and 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 not worrying about that. I think that is I think that is more so just a reflection of the that pain eating that that pain eating her like eating her from the inside and her being like like this isn't her i i guess it i i, I guess her saying this isn't the solution is probably it's probably isn't in the same way her learning the lesson but i think i i kind of I see it as kind of a different lesson than what we're seeing as an audience because as, as an audience i think we got that message halfway through the game we got that message way earlier in terms of okay yeah revenge revenge leads down this destructive path i think for for ellie when when she stops or when she starts playing that song, I think it was more so just like ex exhaustion more than anything. I think I I I don't I don't think she necessarily learned the lesson in like a like a mindful sense. I think she kind of yeah. learned it just from a breaking down emotionally and physically sense. Like I can't I physically can't continue the cycle because it has broken me so much. Okay, that's fair. Let's get another review in here. Jay writes into patreon.com slash kind of funny games, just like you can. It says, the only thing I wanted to say is that I absolutely loved this game. And as someone who has lost my father in the last three years, when I was finishing up my last year of university, it was especially hard seeing Joel get hit by the golf club, but it was honestly the right call to make the game. The death of Joel puts us in the same shoes as Ellie, that we are angry, uh, that we are angry and out for Abby. It is super impactful, in my honest opinion, and carries with it more weight than the death of, say, Dina, uh, instead just by uh, because of our emotional connection in real life to Joel. 
Uh, to all the fans that are out there that are upset with the game for and filing a petition to change the story, I honestly feel disgusted by their actions. Because in real life, when we have someone we care about a lot, uh, they can be taken away from us at any moment. There is no fanfare. There is no preparation for the moment. It happens, and it's this gut-wrenching feeling, and no amount of people signing a petition will bring that person back to me in real life. The fact that people are petitioning to change this story, it feels like a spit in the face to people who have actually lost someone important to them. You could say that it's a game and it tells a fictional story, but this game aims to tell a more realistic slash grounded story than, say, Uncharted, and I think that that's why it's more impactful. The only gripe I really had about the game was that Tom was that Tommy was given plot armor, uh, but oh sometimes God. people do luck out in real life as well. Sorry for the rant here. I absolutely love the game, and uh, some of the fan reaction feels so insulting to me. Yeah, Tommy, Tommy really is indestructible. <laughs> That happens, like, man. How, how many how many times did we think Tom Tommy died? At least twice, At least maybe two. three times. Yeah, twice for sure. Well, yeah, I, I didn't think he, when really he fell in the water, you didn't think he was dead, right? Yeah, I didn't think he was dead because like there yeah. there was there was when he went to uh, him and Joel, you know, went to the to the house with with Abby and them, and and I think Tom gets what oh, hit in the yeah, head with a right, rock. You're right. Um, yeah, he goes down, and that was the that was the first time, and yeah, the other time was when Abby literally shoots shoots him. <laughs> and it's like okay he's definitely dead now and then yeah. he shows up later just a grazing um, one yeah. yeah just a grazing one but you think he like you think she shoots his head off uh that's how i saw it um oh no no, but, no for sure i thought he was dead when i saw when i saw you know jesse get dropped and then yeah him get shot over there yeah and so i i thought he was done for but good for him man he he's surviving <laughs> gotta respect it love to see it blessing I have okay. a great one about Tommy, a great question about Tommy, but for some reason I can't find it on my documents, so I'm going to dig it out. While I do that, why don't you tell them about our sponsor, youtube.com slash games? Oh, our sponsor is youtube.com slash games. Uh, Janet, can I tell you about that that YouTube channel there, youtube.com slash games? Absolutely. Uh, do, do you know about our show, Kind of Funny Games Daily? If I didn't, I think I'm about to find out. Yeah, uh, kind of funny. Games Daily is a, it's a daily news show. Happen five day happens five days a week, uh, Monday through Friday. Uh, it's hosted by people like me, people like Greg Miller, people like Imran Khan, people like Tim Geddes, and we just talk about the the video game news that happens every day. It happens um, uh, 10 a.m. every single weekday. YouTube.com/slash kind of funny games. Twitch.tv live. Uh, twitch.tv slash kind of funny games live uh, you can catch it there we also have things such as gamescast where we talk about our our big old video game reviews we do topical uh episodes talk about uh an arrangement of stuff a whole bunch of stuff we all we also do ps love you xoxo which is the show you're listening to now if you don't know what that show is wow i don't know how, I don't know how you made it <laughs> ah! podcast wild. um and then i think i got it i think i got it i think i got it it's a great, it's a great youtube channel you should you should um, subscribe youtube.com slash kind of funny games no, I, I didn't. I don't know. I must have dreamed this question. Somebody no, wrote in I with a question. I saw Somebody... it. I, re I remember reading it. Um... Right, where he was, he was talking about him coming into the thing. Oh, there was one question that... No. I mean, yeah, I'm right. in control it's no, longer, it's no longer in there, I don't think, but I do remember... There's this one that's like, if you look at on the on the document between pages four and five, there's a question that's all effed up there. And it's, it's like all truncated and screwed up, and I don't know what well, that was supposed might have deleted to be. it. I don't know. Oh, wait, wanna... looks like it's. Hmm. Hold on. What if I highlight this? Okay. No, that doesn't work the way I thought it was. Because part part of my theory was maybe all the text turned to white. Mm. But that's not it. That's not that's it. Theory. Yeah. Well, it's gone. Time we're going to talk. We're going to talk about Tommy showing up at the house. I forget what the question was though. Yes, you, the, you... the, 
the question was something like, how did you feel about Tommy showing up in the house? And also, sorry to whatever reader sent this in that we don't have that cited yet offhand. But um, how did you guys feel about Tommy showing up to the house? Did you feel like it was him trying to get Ellie to find resolution to her PTSD? Or was this a selfish pursuit in him messing up her life when she already decided to move on? Damn, Janet with a photographic memory. I love it. Right? This is why I picked I it. Did- I thought it was a good one. Like, Because I thought for I me it question. was... It was literally what we're talking about with Ellie in future days. Again, this song that applies to everything, right? Where Tommy is the one who shows up at the beginning of the game and is telling Ellie, let's like, let's not do this, right? And Ellie goads him into doing it. Then they all go on this horrible adventure. They come back and Tommy now has lost his wife because he just fucking violated her trust yet again to go off on his little uh, crusade here, even though she asked him not to, right? And he stole horses or whatever and <laughs> to do it. Like, she dumps his ass, leaving him with nothing. So now all he has is this revenge that he is still seeking and he can't do it anymore because of the wounds inflicted on him by Abby. It's like, it's as we keep talking about just this cycle, right? And like people not again, not learning the lesson in the moment of like fucking stop. Like you can let this go when they can't let their hate go. Yeah, yeah I was I, by, wait, go ahead, Blessing. I was just saying, I'm, I'm I'm with that too, and I I, I think I, I I didn't necessarily see it as much as him going to going to Ellie's house to be like, all right, Ellie, let's let's fucking ruin your life some more. I definitely did see it as <laughs> Tommy going through the same issues that Ellie was going through in that moment, mm-hmm. right? Like Tommy was probably seeing the same flashbacks to Joel because Tommy was there, right? I guess Tommy yeah. didn't <laughs> Tommy didn't see Joel get killed because Tommy was knocked the fuck out because of that rock <laughs> that hit his head. <laughs> but you imagine that like that leaves us that leaves a scar on him as somebody who was brothers with Joel and knew Joel way longer than even ellie knew joel um and so yeah i i I think that was that was him kind of going through the same things that ellie was but also not being able to to carry it out physically because at this point he's he's kind of broken um physically and 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 can't chase after after abby himself um so that's just how i see it i really hated tommy so much when he showed up to this house with his totally. I was really upset. But uh, so when I read this question at first, I thought, oh, yeah, like, fuck Tommy. He's an asshole. He just came by. It's easy to say, let's go do this when you can't even come with me anymore. You you want me to go off and do this on my own. Um, there's obviously he can't provide that physical support anymore. But like, he's not offering he has nothing to offer you other than guilt and kind of basically negging you into going on this uh, revenge mission. Um, but when I thought about it more, I'm like, well, if Tommy is trash, this is just a reminder that Ellie was also trash because Ellie did the same thing to Tommy at the beginning of the game. Yeah. Um, she, he, she basically challenges his love and dedication to Joel, which is one of the most, uh, reprehensible things I think you can do to someone who lost anyone. And, you know, obviously Ellie was grieving, blah, blah, blah. We get it. But I think also we have to accept the fact that everyone deals with their, their stuff emotionally psychologically if trauma happens but at the end of the day like you still have to be you need to be a good person or try and i think the problem is like yeah we can make excuses for why ellie and tommy are doing this but the point is they both did something kind of horrible they both like tried to guilt the other person into going on a quest that they didn't want to go on and they both got their way which is just yeah. like honestly they deserve each other like i was really mad at tommy but <laughs> who, who's to say that like ellie didn't do the same thing at the beginning that ellie didn't also throw a wrench in his relationship as well even though we all know they probably split up for other reasons and always had a rough relationship but hey i'm not tommy's wife so you got to ask her what was up with that yeah maria um, what was up with that <laughs> yeah what was going on shout out to maria for like landing those horses though she was cool yeah but that was a cool team <laughs> I, I also think like so much of this game 
and I feel like it's very reflective of real life because how often are we transparent with our feelings to ourselves or with other people? Um, is people going through stuff in isolation despite having people mm-hmm. there for them? Um, how much is Ellie really telling Dina versus what she writes in her journal, right? And obviously, mm-hmm. I'm not saying you have to share all your private thoughts with the people around you because that's why they're private thoughts. But, you know, I love that scene where Dina kind of mentions, like, you think I'm not going through this too. You think I'm, you're the only one suffering. And yeah, it's just, it, they both suck. They both deserved what happened to them. <laughs> I'm just like a horrible person. But I, I think it just, they both did the same thing. So I can't be <laughs> mad at Tommy and not mad at Ellie. God yeah, damn it, blessing. <laughs> God damn it, Blessing. Janet's making this like totally (laughs) crucial, amazing point. Blessing sends this fucking meme through on assets that's about Tommy and Abby. I'm fucking losing. Kevin, can you show it? Can you show it? Oh, man. You know what? I used to be so I'm used to it. I can handle it. (laughs) No, no, no. I know. Yeah, I know. I I didn't mean like that. Yeah, it's just God damn it, Blessing. Oh, okay. Wait. Oh, my God. That's really accurate. That is really, that is the whole game. If you're not, yeah. Corey, Corey Cudney put a, uh, put up a, a, a meme over here, and it's every time Abby sees Tommy, like, and it's the who's this from SpongeBob? Just, just a some, random character from SpongeBob. Just some fish. Like, How many times yeah, do we have to teach you this lesson, old man? <laughs> that's so accurate. Uh, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> oh my god. Both Ellie and Tommy like can't stay away from this quest. Yeah, no, totally, and that's what is obviously so heartbreaking about it. And again, like one of those reasons that, like, you know, it's like. I I like horror movies and I know so many people don't like horror movies and it's why would you put yourself through that like I can see those being a parallel feeling to this of like I'm playing this game that I don't like why they're doing what they're doing but I can't not do it I need to see them through it because again I guess it's because they're so well rounded and I do love the characters so much that I feel for them and what the positions they're in so I want to see them play it out but like they keep making the wrong choices and there's no way to tell them that as when I've learned personally, when I'm making the wrong choices, there's usually not a way to tell me that, right? Like when, especially when they're fueled by emotions, whether it be a relationship or a breakup or whatever you want to call it. Um, let's get one in here. I like this one from Kyle. Kyle writes in and says, is religious tolerance a theme of the last of us part two? Now that might seem like an odd question. uh, When one of the enemy factions is a cult of religious extremists, but hear me out. Uh, first there's the synagogue where the Jewish faith was given some love as Dina comments on how she likes uh, being from a long line of survivors is glad that the Torah was left alone and safe and that Ellie journals about faith I'm sorry and then Ellie journals about faith but the primary place uh, I see the theme of religious tolerance is Abby's relationship with Lev uh, as they spend time together get uh, going to get medical supplies for Yara Lev offers glimpses at his faith Abby wants to reduce it down, uh, but Lev asks her if she's ever read the prophet's writings and indicates that uh, he believes the violence uh, and his own expulsion from the group is not what the prophet would have desired. For me, this mirrors so strongly what we see in today's world with so many LGBTQ plus individuals uh, continuing to proclaim and practice their faith despite the pain and suffering individuals from within that faith uh, community have caused. Their faith is defined, or I'm sorry, defined not by what humanity does, but by what they believe to be true about the divine. What do you all think? Thank you for all the time and uh, killing it on the last of us content, Kyle. I would argue that yes, it is, but it's because the game overall is about tolerance and understanding. I think it applies to every aspect of it. I think, and granted, again, 37 year old white guy, so I can't speak to everything. But like, I think that, yeah, religious tolerance is handed here well. I think the conversation you're referencing with Abby and Lev is such an interesting look at it, where it is like, 
yeah, well, you're, you're the people that are killing us all the time. And Lev's like, that's not what she's about. Like, have you read the thing? Like, she's about love. She would hate all this stuff. And then in this tolerance in general and understanding in general, I think the fact that uh, Lev is trans in the way that's presented in a way that I missed completely when he, he asks her, like, did you hear what they were calling me? And she's like, yeah, do you want to talk about it? And he's like, no. Like, I missed originally it. And then eventually, I think I was talking to somebody they explained. And then obviously, it's explained later on when you're with Yara. It was like, oh, man, what a great way to introduce this thing. And also, at least in, not not for me, I was already luckily, uh, you know, I'm down with trans people. I'm fine with that. But to have it explained in a way that I think is so ba- is in this extreme instance of like, oh, you know, they this crazy cult doesn't even want him because he isn't going to do this. And be like, it's such a thing of like, well, no, that that would suck. Why wouldn't they let him be the person he wants to be? And it's like, oh, right. Why would anyone not let someone be the person they want to be if they're not hurting other people? Like I think the whole game is about tolerance. Yeah, and I think to the to the um to the Torah stuff with with Dina, I think the way I read that uh, I read that scene specifically was them kind of introducing humanity back into this post apocalyptic story. Mm. Like so much of the Last of Us is about um, connections and interpersonal interpersonal relationships, and um, so so much of it is them injecting humanity into a time where nothing feels human and so i i saw the torah scene in the same way i saw the um uh ellie and dina smoking weed uh, when they found the stash scene right like (laughs) these are these these are ways for us to kind of be able to connect to these characters in ways that um you know seeing them kill each other isn't really a a great way for us to like you know connect with with ellie or connect with dina uh dina having this history and dina dina having uh this identity right her being jewish her be be, her um um being able to be represented by that um and 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 talk to ellie about that as a unique unique characteristic of her i i kind of saw saw that as that um but yeah in terms of the the tolerance stuff to what uh, greg is saying too like i think there there's so many uh different aspects of multiple characters that are bought that are brought to the forefront in order to allow their characters to to appear colorful uh in ways that that i think work so well right like dina being dina being jewish and bi you know uh, uh ellie ellie being gay um um uh who am i missing oh yeah Lev live being trans and also part part of this group right like they're 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 is so much in the game that that regards identity and who people are and who people are at, at their core and you know i really like uh uh natalie flores's review where she talks about uh for pace magazine where she talks about uh last of part two being a game about love because i think i think that is a good um summation of it as a game that we talk a lot about revenge we talk about a lot of hate we talk a lot about those things that I think appear on the surface and those things that exist thematically and those things that the game kind of hammers on. But all so many of the actions, if not all the actions of the, of the, uh, in the game stem from some sort of love. Um, and that exists throughout the different identities that the characters have that exists throughout the different sexualities that the characters have, the different ways that they identify, uh, with their gender, different ways they identify religiously. Um, all that stuff exists throughout in a way that I, I honestly think that, Abby saying, "You are my people" is the most powerful line in the game because of all that, because of how that how that uh, summates the whole game in the in that way that in a game that is in a game that is all about revenge and hate, you know, Abby saying, "You are my people" is is that thing that kind of prevails, and that is when we talked about earlier, right? Like them, the characters actually learning about 
the, the this cycle of revenge that they're on and trying to break it right like at no point did i feel like they actively sat down and were like oh yeah revenge is bad but i do think <laughs> i do think like within those moments um you know abby saying you are my people was kind of this prevailing moment of pretty much that but not in a way that is is, is written down in a textbook or, or 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 necessarily learned it's more so in a way that is felt and that's why i think it, it, it works so well i don't think there's enough evidence to support religious tolerance being a theme in the last of us uh or, or rather like a motif if you want to get technical which i, I love to get technical because i used to teach high school english so um <laughs> it's, it, it it is you have one you know the this was it Kyle, right, who wrote in with us? They present one piece of supporting evidence, which is the situation with Lev. Um, I feel like Dina's discussion of her Jewish faith, isn't it? Well, I guess maybe it could be an example of religious tolerance, but I feel like more so what the game's getting at in terms of religion is that we all have different kinds of faith and faith presents itself in different ways. And some of those ways can be bad and some of them can be good. So we have the example of this extremist cult that is transphobic among probably other things, but that's at least one yeah. confirmed issue with that. Um, then we have Dina where she's Jewish, but she acknowledges that she doesn't really pray. And she doesn't seem like she compared to her sister is as religious as her sister is in terms of the practice. But, you know, Ellie asked, well, do you pray? And she says, yeah, I do sometimes. Like when, when, when Joel died, you know, when we left, like she kind of points to these key moments where in times of darkness, that's her light. And that's a big thing thread that we see through the existence of fireflies we see yara say the prayer at the um statue when they're on the island and then after she does that and kind of acknowledges that before moving forward abby mentions you know looks the light or whatever and it's oh it's something my dad used to say and there are these and and for ellie i think her playing that song is her form of prayer it's her connection to joel and this mm -hmm. experience this mm -hmm. relationship and it's meditative and painful and healing like we never see her ever finish that song maybe because it's too painful for her to do. And by the end, it literally is painful to do because she is severely injured. But, you know, she kind of plays it and sort of the secretive personal thing. You know, Dina says, what is that? And she says, oh, it's nothing. You know, oh, it doesn't sound like nothing to me. And then she plays Take On Me, which was random, but interesting. You know, I, I think that is more so what the game is saying in terms of faith and religion. I, I think there's a layer of, of religious tolerance, but to me, the main religious motif would be faith, appears in different ways and has, you know, causes us to behave in, in different ways. We are interact with faith differently. Let's read a question that's piggybacking off some of the stuff we've been talking about here and made me mad. So maybe I'm misinterpreting it and you'll you'll set me straight. Uh, Abdullah wrote it into patreon.com slash kind of funny games and said, I finished Last of Us Part 2 and I thought it was an incredible game, but with some major flaws in my opinion. The most disturbing thing, though, is that it seems like criticism or praise of this game has to be binary. I felt that many of the deaths did not have to ha did not have the impact that was intended. That some LGBT divert slash diversity inclusions were slightly distasteful and didn't serve a purpose in the story. And I didn't appreciate Naughty Dog being clever with hiding Joel's death in their trailers. However, I think there were many brilliant moments. I love playing with I love playing with Abby. Uh, I thought about I thought the gameplay was spectacular, and the Abby Lev interactions were the closest I felt to the brilliance of the Joel and Ellie relationship. All in all, it was an incredible experience. My question is, why does it feel like having criticism of the game automatically bunches you into a group uh, that are simply against LGBT rights or people who or people that only watch leaks? I really like this game, but I didn't think it was a, as good as the first one. I had issues with the game, uh, but it was obviously not a terrible game. What the heck happened to having a nuanced view? 
Um, I it, it's a weird one because I'm not the your question doesn't make me angry. I think there is nuanced views, and I think that you can get along with that and all the stuff. And I think that yes, like not liking it uh, can if you're going to say you hated this game, you're not saying anything crazy here, Abdul, in terms of what you think of the game and what you liked or didn't like. That's there are still nuanced reviews and things going on. What I don't like is this that some LGBT diversity inclusions were slightly distasteful and didn't serve a purpose in the story. I don't understand that part. Does anybody understand yeah, I wish, that part? I, I wish there there was more context for that because I I can't tell if they're saying that like I can't tell if they're saying okay so why was Dina bi why is Le, why is Lev tra uh, trans right because like those characters can exist in the story and it doesn't necessarily have to serve like a greater meaning right like, that is hundred percent the point like right? we have we have white characters in stories all the time all the time we don't have to like explain why they're there right like people coexist there's there's different types of people there's nothing wrong with that and that's if, what put me off is that yeah it didn't didn't serve a purpose to the story my sexuality doesn't serve a purpose to my story right now in me hanging out with blessing or whatever you know what i mean like i don't understand that this is the fact that if you're sitting there you're being like ah so Ellie and Dina were uh, gay or bi or whatever, and that wasn't a major. They didn't bring that up, and they weren't like, no, like what? That's that's normal. People, uh, LGBTQ people are. Oh, there goes Blessing's camera finally. Uh, he he's had enough of this conversation. That's how it is every day. That there, guess I mean Abdullah. There's probably people that are gay or LGBTQ that you interact with every day that you don't know that they're they're not serving a purpose to your story or their sexuality isn't serving a purpose to your story, right? Janet, am I crazy? Yeah, I mean, I, I totally echo that as well. Um, yeah, it's, I would like to think that maybe they just mean like the way it was done, was it good or something? Or maybe they have a more interesting critique. Like I've spoken to, you know, other queer folks or trans people or just other minority groups that are represented on like hey how do you think they handled this because yeah it's a different lens when you're you know i can speak to you know i mentioned manny a lot as someone that's also mexican on how i thought he his portrayal was and I, i'll have an automatically different or i have a quicker connection to bring that up than someone who isn't mexican most likely just because that's who i am yeah um, so yeah i mean but if they One just of the like, if it's not serving it doesn't need to like none, like none of the like who a character is doesn't need to serve a purpose to the story. But then it's also weird because I feel like all of their inclusion very much served a purpose to the story. It wasn't even yeah. just like as an aside, like oh by the way, Dina's bi. It's like well, the purpose is uh she's Ellie's girlfriend, so obviously she's not a straight woman, you know. And so I, I think if anything, almost all of those I like all of the queer identities that were included had actually a narrative purpose. This is one of the examples where. It, it just doesn't really match up. So in the yeah. in in the spoiler cast with Neil and the team, but Neil in particular, uh, one of the questions I asked was from I can't remember if they were trans or just they had trans friends, but it was the not even argument, but the conversation that it was cool to see a trans person represented. Some people in their friend group were put off by the fact that uh, using uh, Lev's dead name was a plot point. And Neil had an answer to it that was like, obviously, that there's, you know, trans people work at Naughty Dog and they talked to a whole bunch of people. And it was part of the story they were trying to go for here in terms of like, and and again, I, I'm 37 year old white guy. What the fuck do I know? But it was that thing of, I think the fact that they weren't celebrating it, it was being used in a way of like, hey, this is fucked up. And like, do you care? And Abby's like, I don't care. Like, do you want to talk about it? No. All right, cool. Let's move on with our lives because 
I'm not this fucking bigoted <laughs> religious cult or whatever. Like that's what I took away from it. So it's possible, Abdul, that I'm just misinterpreting your question overall. But I thought it was interesting that you bring it up twice, right? Where that some LGBT uh, diversity inclusions were slightly distasteful. Go on, blah, blah, blah. So why does it feel like having criticism of this game automatically bunches you into a group that are simply against LGBT rights? Blah, blah, blah. Well, it's like, well, hold on a second. You just, yeah. it like, seems like it. your question saying you're one of those people like, that you just why, didn't like that they were. Why included. is my homophobic take seen as homophobic? Just asking it, for a friend. You know, and it's like, I, I think I really, I really hate when people um, have, this is kind of a little bit getting away from the question because I don't mean to just pile on, but it reminds me of like there are certain you know whenever something is focused on a group that's not normally represented be it women be it queer folks whatever people are always like oh if i say i don't like it suddenly i'm like you know i hate women or i hate queer people and no but why don't you like it and if it's because they're there that i mean you said it not me like you're you you display that yourself that that is your issue with it um yeah and and yeah, yeah and i also think too like being bigoted or having messed up ideologies it's not always an obvious thing as well i I think a lot of times people think that oh i didn't i don't have a problem with it i just don't know why it's there it's like that is a spectrum of being intolerant like oh you don't mind but like does it need to be in here it's like that that's that's not cool and i think people need to reflect on that because it may not be saying i don't think queer people should be allowed to get married you may not be on that end of the spectrum, but you're still on the spectrum of intolerance. Yeah. And, and yeah, I don't know. There's also like an element of, um, fuck, I forgot what was going on. I had like, I, I legit had a point and I was about to make it and then totally, it totally skipped me. And so you find more funny. Come back to, to me. That it's the new camera. You know I mean? It is a new camera. It took me so long to set this thing up that I told it, to- it totally disagreed <laughs> my mind as I was going, going through it. Don't, don't um, say that. Oh, come on. No, well, I was, I was going to, I was going to say like, there's so much nuanced conversation happening with the game and so much of it isn't colored that way. Right. Like we, 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 uh, we brought up Callie's review earlier in this episode and Callie gave it an, an eight out of 10, which is on, I guess the lower side, even though it's still a great score as far as critical reviews, that's a, it's a little bit on the lower side of what the last was part two is scoring. I don't think I've seen one person say that Callie is like any, any sort of like transphobic or homophobic or whatever based on her review. Right, like there's not there there's nothing wrong with with having nuanced conversation about the Last of Us Part Two or having yeah. critiques with the Last of Us Part Two because I don't think anybody anybody here would say that Last of Us Part Two is a perfect game and even in in terms of representation, right? Like there are except for Greg Miller, um, in terms of representation, there are things that we can point to and be like, oh yeah, they could have done this or that better, right? Like doing on our spoiler cast, I think it was Laura who was the one that um was talking about uh, uh dead naming Lev and uh how how she took that as a trans person and what that means and 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 kind of her her critiques and views on that right and i and i forget if it was you janet or it might have been natalie or actually i think it was you who was talking about manny and how uh the portrayal of manny could have been better in quite a few ways um and and i actually brought up isaac uh during that same episode that i i I forgot about um because isaac is a character who we've not talked about at all in any of our spoiler casts in any of our reviews and any of our things and that's because he is extremely forgettable and he's all he's also the only like a voice black dude in that game as far as i can recollect um and so for me isaac was a character who who kind of came and went in a way where i was like damn it like they could have they could have done so much better with that character man because as soon as they introduced isaac i was all about it i was all like man let's go this dude's a boss this dude's about to make, make a huge impact and that man had two scenes and died yes, in second one the way he died was so anticlimactic and like i i think blessing what you brought up 
from our drunk cast because despite it being a drunk cast, there were some good things that came out of that. And it was <laughs> the really first half really yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, at a certain point, I kind of start to waver. But what's funny is I'm the exact same person, just a little bit more obnoxious, which which might be too much for some of you if this is already leaning on that on that edge. But um, I think our conversation was an excellent example of the ways that, and this is something that all of us need to work on, trying to understand perspectives that are in our own, because it's easy to know the one that we have because it's our life. So like, obviously, I, I noticed Manny right away. It doesn't surprise me that Laura was the one that had interesting critiques of Lev's portrayal and how that was handled. It it, mm-hmm. it makes sense that you would point out Isaac in a way where I'm like, oh, shit, I didn't even think of that. And that made me realize that like, I need to kind of step my stuff up and be able to look at things from more sociological critical lenses that are outside mm-hmm. of just the perspectives I bring to the table, which granted, I have a good amount of them, but like just, you know, being a woman, etc. But um, yeah, and that's why it's important to have like different kinds of people from different backgrounds talking about this game and learning it and having that conversation. So yeah, I mean, to, to bring back to the question, there's, you're allowed to not like Last of Us Part 2, um, whether it's, you know, if it's from a place of bigotry, that's not cool or valid. And if it's for a place of just bad criticism, like, if you're going to dislike this game, like, have good reasons for it. Because there, there are reasons out there. There's a lot of them that I can name even as someone that loves the game. Uh, and I just, I, I don't like bad criticism and I don't like homophobia. So, <laughs> so this is please, a, is a double negative if, for you. If you, at me, if you at me with homophobia or you at me with bad takes, I will block you. <laughs> like, that, that is just facts. So. What uh, with the Laura Bailey episode of We Have Cool Friends just went live as we're recording today as we're recording this, but it's just been a blur. And one of the things I thought was interesting in talking her with that is I was uh, doing my normal shit where I'm hypothesizing on like, oh, well, how, you know, um, Abby and Owen actually ended up at the WLF. Right. And like that there. And she she corrected me at one point. She's like, well, you know, there was at one point scenes written that were going to be flashbacks uh, or maybe and I might be exaggerating there, but there was definitely a backstory that. uh uh jeffrey wright's character isaac uh was uh abby's dad's like best friend it was very much like a marlene kind of thing where she was gonna there was gonna be stuff of isaac taking care of her and raising her and then her kind of becoming that you know super soldier for wlf like you know to make him happy a plus avenger father and stuff and i thought that would have gone a long way because i'm there with you when you think about it of like i remember when we meet isaac and he comes out of the torture room and talks to us and it was that thing of like all right fuck dude they've been hyping him for a while we're gonna see a lot more of him <laughs> and then yeah you see him on the island he gets shot by yari like okay cool that was yeah that's interesting how they did rest that. in peace rest in peace indeed um i want to give you one more question then one more review and then we'll get the hell out of here um This is interesting. Elliot writes into patreon.com slash kind of funny games and says the only plot hole I noticed in part two was that a gang of old fireflies deeply connected to the site looking for a cure seemed to care less about Ellie. I know we hear in recording that quote, she is the only person who uh, could have found the cure. I'm sorry, I fucked that all. I know we hear in a recording that the, quote, only person who could have found a cure was Abby's father, but he seems like a guy uh, who would have taken notes. Everyone else does. In this world and to these people, Ellie would at least be as infamous as the legend Joel. Did you find it strange in your playthroughs? Uh, if not, what reason do you give for the Fireflies' sudden disinterest in Ellie and the possibility of a cure? I, I don't know. I found the reason they gave, they gave to be good. Like the idea that the doctor was the only guy who could have who could have done who could have gotten the cure out of Ellie. Once he's yeah. dead, then all hope is gone. I, that's the way I took it, and that's the way that like that justified it to me. Once I heard that, I was like, "All right, cool, I get it." 
Yeah. I, I feel like I didn't notice. I didn't think about this until I read this question. And I'm like, yep, you know, there are a lot of notes. And none of them <laughs> were instructions on how to, like, cut some part of someone's brain out. Probably would have been useful to write down. But, yeah, it, it just seemed a little bit odd that there... I guess there weren't enough, like, I, I don't know, I'm trying to sort of justify it now, on like, reverse engineer this, but I guess, like, because Joel killed, like, everybody, like, ev he, like, decimated everyone, um, so I guess there just wasn't really enough left, and, like, the Fireflies were, like, slowly rebuilding, but I imagine that they didn't rebuild enough to want to go after Ellie, and I also imagine that the people that are now in the Fireflies might not be, obviously, we know some of those members are the same, because when Abby calls them from Santa Barbara, they know what, you her know, post was set yeah, at and who yeah. her dad is. But, you know, who's to say that those people are against, you know, they might be against what happened with the original Fireflies, where they basically were like, we're going to, you know, we're going to crack Ellie's skull open regardless, to be honest. You know, they, they were just ready to go. They didn't care about what she thought or no one cared about what Ellie thought in, at the end of that game, which is way sad. But, yeah, I guess that's how I kind of imagine it, that they're not enough numbers that maybe they don't have the passion of like trying to go and essentially kidnap this who's now a you know a woman and just murder her to like cut out her brain when which they don't really even know how to do like it it can it kind of makes sense but it is a little surprising that there isn't more of a thought of like who Ellie is yeah. and it's just all focused on Joel I find Elliot's in, word choices uh, interesting, right? Where he, he says that, you know, Elliot is as infamous, right, as Joel, which I don't agree with, right? She'd be as, at least as infamous as the legend as Joel. Like, well, no, right? Joel killed all these people. They understood that it was a girl that he was stealing away that was, you know, already in pre-op or whatever, in surgery, actually. So, I mean, like, I don't find it that they'd be mad at her about it. And I also, yeah, I, I think everybody who comes from the WLF is so broken at that point because the WLF is not searching for this. They are not looking for the cure. They are there to fucking take over Seattle and get rid of the scar. Like they're not in this for the all hope of humanity kind of thing. I think that they came there as heartbroken kids. And I don't think that, and it, that's the other thing too, is how young they are that even if they had the notes, would they understand? Does the WLF, I mean like, yeah, you can make the argument, I guess, that, you know, like, you know, Nora's working in the medical field. Mel is a surgeon, right? That her dad was her dad's best student or whatever. But they've given up on that idea. And I don't, you know, I, I it, it is an interesting take on why. I, I just assume because, yeah, he's the guy who could do that and he's dead. And so how are we going to do it? We're a bunch of, you know, kids who are down in our luck or are now running with this WLF group that doesn't have that desire to it. And it's also the interesting thing of it. it do they know? that Ellie is Ellie because Nora's surprised, right? When she drops down there and doesn't need the mask. They don't right? know. None of them really, none of them really got it. Even when, when Ellie told Abby in the theater that uh, Joel did what he did to save me, yeah. Abby didn't really have any sort of reaction, which I thought was very interesting. Yeah. And so that's yeah. the thing about it where I think, I think it's more interesting. This, you know, thing I've seen people kick around and talk to me about of like, Cool. Now Abby and Lev show up at a uh, uh, whatever island is escaping me right now. The new island, Catalina. Catalina. Yeah. Thank you. And they tell the Fireflyers the, the, their story, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we're from there, and we chased that, and we killed the guy who killed the. We ran into the girl. Uh, so what? You know, we she's when like, wait, what was she still alive? And like, do they have like, does that Firefly group want to go and have that? Like, that would be, I think, an interesting. Again, I don't know if I need a whole 30-hour game of it, but an interesting future possibility of 
playing as the fireflies and you are marching up there trying to find Ellie and not even to not to kill her. Like she's going to think you are right, but you're actually marching out there to try to make this all work and try to synthesize a cure from her. But who knows? And then final review before we close out this show. Abigail Warner wrote into patreon.com slash kind of funny games and says the last of us part two is a special game and there's no denying that at the same time uh, it is very hard it is a very hard game to fully enjoy but that's kind of the point I have never played a game that had that made me have a strong feelings as I did in this game Uh, there were parts of this game where I truly felt sick to my stomach and had to take a break a visceral reaction like that can only come from great storytelling this game made me have the conflicted feelings of not wanting to do what had to be done uh, that the first game gave so many people. I was someone who agreed with Joel's decision to save Ellie in the first game. I knew it wasn't the right thing to do, in his, but uh, to do. But in his shoes, I wouldn't have been able to let them kill Ellie. I didn't want to kill the doctor, but my desire to save Ellie was stronger, so the decision didn't affect me that much. In part two, playing from both perspectives was amazing and provided so much context uh, that it was so incredibly hard to fight Ellie as Abby and vice versa. I did not want to do those fights, and they caused a lot of anxiety. Those fights made me feel sick. I really struggled with my feelings of this game initially, but as I've gotten farther away from beating the game and have given myself time to process my thoughts, I've begun to feel I've begun begun to feel more positively. Uh, this game is so special because it really sticks with you and challenges you'd really think. Not only is this an awesome sequel, uh, but it also enhances the original game as well. Regardless of how you feel about the story, I think we can all agree that the acting and animations are incredible. Naughty Dog did an amazing job, and this will certainly be a game that we will talk about for years to come. Sorry if this is a little long, but I've ha- I haven't had anyone to discuss this game with, and I was so ready to get my thoughts out. Thank you for the two amazing spoiler casts. Abigail Warner. Well, abs don't worry about it that's what we're here for and i think you say a lot of stuff that i i feel as well yeah i think the 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 fact that toward the end of that game where you're playing as ellie and you're fighting abby and you get to the you get to the moments where you're you you have to tap square so you can like shove the knife into abby the fact that getting to those points i very much and i've said this before a billion times but is it was very affecting on me the fact that at those at those points i very much did not want to tap square to the point where i died multiple times during those fights because i wanted abby to win i wanted abby to get out there alive um i think that is that is like one of the most powerful things i i'm going to have experienced in a game this year um let alone probably this generation and i think you know that's a that's that's a testament to to what they're doing with this game and how good this game is like it's it's really good janet any closing thoughts on last of us part two um Really well said. I'm glad that, uh, was it, Abigail uh, wrote this in. I, I love hearing people's thoughts. I, I do think this is a game because it's so drama-filled. Like, whether or not you think the story is even good, like the drama, like I live for the drama yeah. of it. Um, it's so it's so fun to talk about and just enjoy even on a surface level, even without digging into the nuances and the themes and the symbols and all that. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely a game that, like, I'm what I love about being able to come on, like, this show and just make general content is there's so many players who if you are like really hardcore and you're like, I'm going to get it. I'm going to marathon through it. Cause I want to like have it done. And I don't want to worry about spoilers. It can be very lonely when you get out that other end and you're like, none of my friends have played it. Or maybe you just don't have, <laughs> you know, a community like that. That's yeah. going to be playing that quickly. And to be able to be that friend for a second, even if I don't reply to every single comment or every tweet I get, I, I love being able to do that. So like, I appreciate this person writing in. And then I also just want to say, uh, because I can't talk about it enough. Shout out to that museum scene, best scene in the game. Oh, Tears. God. 
And shout out to the Rat King. Um, horrifying. Oh, God. There was a question in here about the Rat King, but I don't remember where it was. But like, shout out to the Rat King. It did not go unnoticed. We need to talk about the Rat King more. The end. What's the Rat King? What, I don't understand this reference. It's the Resident Evil, like, the little oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My apologies. My apologies. I love the what me and Blessing both just did differently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right? you know this guy. There's, um, there's a gift for Corey. Yeah, like it. That was such a horrifying time, and like I, it was one of the. I love that this game has so many moments where I don't want to die, not because well, one, I don't want to do it again because I'm busy trying to beat the game, but two, like I just feel like I don't want to mess up the flow of the game. And I, I, I felt so much horror and dread and panic racing through, going through all the crevices, picking up ammo, shooting. And then it, when it broke off, it's just, it was yeah. so frenzied and horrifying. And, uh, and I'm a punk when it comes to boss battles. I kind of hate boss battles because it's like a test I didn't study for. And when I saw <laughs> the Rat King, I was like, don't make me fight it. Don't make me fight it. Please, no, no, they're not going to do it. They're not. And then they were like, when you saw that you were fighting it, I was like, fuck. And then it was yeah. just such a, a wonderful introduction into it i love the last of us has always done very few boss battles or boss moments but whenever they do it it's so impactful and so meaningful and ties in so well with the story and the gameplay wrecking forever wrecking forever uh ladies and gentlemen this has been a very special episode of ps i love you xoxo but we couldn't let you go without seeing this week's psn profile of the week remember you can write into patreon.com slash kind of funny games giving us your uh story and your psn profile so we can look at it and judge your trophies uh today mojo mason writes into patreon.com slash kind of funny games and says hey greg my friend and longtime Greg Miller fanboy Nick Carr has a birthday coming up. I would love to surprise him by asking you to delve into his trophy list. He has spent a lot of time grinding out trophies and takes great pride in them. Uh, being that you are one of his favorite people in the industry and he listens to every episode, I'm sure this will make his day. Thanks so much for all you do, Mojo Mason. Uh, we are now looking then, ladies and gentlemen, at uh, Greg Miller fanboy Nick Carr's trophy. His PSN profile is Roly Poly Yoni <laughs> R-O-L-L-I-E-P-O-L-L-I-E Y-O-N-I. Uh, his description says, Jonah is my favorite. Jeff is a cutie. So that's what's going on with Roly Poly Yoni. Uh, level 29 in trophies, uh, about 6,500 trophies, and then 81 platinums. Nothing to shake Whoa. a stick at, including a man after my own heart here. Minecraft Dungeons, his latest platinum, one I am working on, but have been sidetracked by reviews. And then right behind it, The Last of Us Part Two, A very, very, very good platinum. I can't say enough how happy I was to see Naughty Dog res- re- respond to having one of the worst platinums I've ever seen with The Last of Us Part 1 and then coming out and crushing it with The Last of Us Part 2. Of course, use Janet's guide for it, kindoffunny.com slash IGN TLU2 when you want to go there. but also life is strange Tekken seven batman enemy within these are all platinums uh right now working on minecraft looks like up here shell shock live which i don't know what that is I, I gotta give a i gotta give a shout out to overwatch uh they have the overwatch platinum and that platinum is no joke you legit have to use every hero in that game and do like essentially like a an expert maneuver with each of those heroes in order to get well, that that's platinum. the thing if you so, look at on, uh, of course we use psn profiles to look at everybody's profiles uh under rarest trophies here it has focused as the most rare trophy uh in the collection which is a uh, 1.68 percent of players have reported uh focused is earned two killing blows with a single use of echo's focusing beam in quicker competitive play oh I have no idea what okay. that means that's but that's a yeah echo is a is a dlc hero uh that was the latest hero that was actually added and so the fact that they are he, he already they hate he they already have this trophy <laughs> is very impressive and then right behind that is the overwatch platinum yeah at a 1.87 
So that's pretty gosh darn good there. And then, yeah, Hitman Go, Overwatch, Concrete Genie, Persona 4, Dancing All Night. Hell yeah, Rocket League. Uh, only 14 of 46 trophies in Predator Hunting Grounds. Not a fan of that. So you got to get cracking Unfortunate. That. That's the big one, Nick Carr. Uh, but Resident Evil 3, Snakey Bus. <laughs> I love it. What? You love to see it. You're, getting the, some of, you're getting some of the Garbo Platinums. That's what it's all about, remember? Awesome. Uh, yeah, Human Fall Flat, Trevor Saves the Universe, Goat Simulator, Nick Carr. Your man after my own heart. Nickelode- Nickelodeon cart racers. Exactly. Jack Happy- on there. So shout out to Jack 2. Favorite game ever. <laughs> Happy birthday, Nick Carr. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for watching this episode of PSI Love You XOXO. Remember, we put up a new one each and every Tuesday. You can get it early on patreon.com slash kind of funny games. Watch it live as we recorded. Get it ad free. Get it with the post show we're about to do. But if you have no bucks to toss our way, no big deal. Subscribe to youtube.com slash kind of funny games. You can get it there or podcast services around the globe each and every tuesday uh janet i can't thank you enough for coming in i was late because of a stupid game spot stream typical you know what i mean not i not running as nice as ign uh where can people keep up with you uh you can follow me on twitter facebook instagram uh, tiktok all social media platforms at game on that's game o-n-y-s-u-s awesome thank you so much for your time janet yeah thanks for having me uh ladies and gentlemen we got a post show to do but until next time it's been our pleasure to serve you and then we're right into the post show, right, Kev? Post show. Post show. Janet, I, I don't, do you, do you have to go? Do you want to stay? You don't have to stay for the post show. If you want to, you're more than welcome to, but I feel like I, I was late getting here and then we went late because we could talk all day. Um, I can stay. Perfect. Is that like weird? Do people normally, what do people normally do? You're the we first guest who's show. ever sat on this entire show. <laughs> we, 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 huh? There's no way that's true. For definitely for PS I Love You Volume Two, I, I mean even for PS I Love You Volume One, I'm trying to think if we had a third chair that ever sat the entire time. We usually do interviews or a segment, but we wanted to do the whole show, so you've just okay. been rocking it. I'm gonna stay then because I want to make history and set a weird precedent that people feel obliged to keep. Love up it, with. I love it. Yes, uh, blessing. Gregory. Kick off this post show X's and O's because <laughs> this is originally what? gonna be this is originally gonna be a news story, right? PlayStation Plus turning ten. Oh, yeah. PS Plus turns 10 today. Yay. Yay. Hold on. Congratulations, uh, PS Plus, to celebrate. They're giving us one extra PS Plus game. Wow. Um, yeah, man. So next week, we're getting NBA 2K20, Rise of the Tomb Raider, and the bonus game, Erica, which if you're not familiar Oof. with Erica, it's an FMV uh, cinematic narrative storytelling game, and it is not that great. You play either with a phone or with your, your PlayStation 4 touchpad. I bought it the day it came out because it looked very exciting to me, and really- by the time I finished it, did you play it? No, but like I wanted to because it seemed interesting. Okay, so you said it's not that great, but is it like kind of a good kind of bad? Because with with games, I'm like, you kind of don't got to be that good. Like I can just sit here and sort of enjoy what's going on. Is it and, that, like- and, that's, and that's my thing. This is a game that I would never give any sort of award. But if you like these types of games and like you, you like to choose your own adventures, you, you like that kind of cinematic experience, 100% play it. Go into it knowing that it is not a great one. Like it's not, it is not exceptional by any means but you're gonna get a good type of bad you're gonna get a ridiculous <laughs> yeah. story it, I love it, invo- it involves some like thriller slash horror aspects it, it, it uh i don't want to spoil anything because i i went in super blind and i feel like that was such a great experience but it, it this game basically takes place in an asylum hmm. how long for like it? teenage girls uh it's like two hours maybe at most See, i could do that 
Yeah. For me, it was the one of remember the complex you reviewed for yes. uh, the thing. Like, I liked that one because that was strictly choose your own adventure. When I started Erica and it was like, all right. And I don't remember the exact controls, but I think it was touchpad, maybe sticks of like turn the key to go in the door. I was like, all right. No, thank you. Yeah, like, it was just, some bullshit like, in there. What are you trying to do? Either be the movie that I'm choosing my adventure in or be a video game. But don't try to be both because that just is weird and breaks the immersion for me completely. Yeah, and that was that was kind of my big complaint with it. Also, is that the touchpad controls were terrible. And when I played the game, the app wasn't available yet on Android, and so I couldn't even use the app. And so maybe it's better with the app. Um, I have no idea. But with the touchpad, the thing is booty. Um, <laughs> we, so with the 10th anniversary of PS Plus, uh, PlayStation put out on the PS Blog this this fact sheet um, that shows kind of the timeline of the growth of PS Plus and the stats that come with it. And so again, June 29th, 2010, PlayStation Plus was introduced to the world. Um, Wipeout HD was one of the first games given to PS Plus members. Fun fact. Uh, in June 2012, monthly games were introduced. And so that was eight years ago. Uh, 64 games uh, were offered during the first year of PS Plus monthly games. Over 1,000 games have been offered through, through PS Plus globally, which is really exciting. Um, 41.5 million users have used PS Plus. Um, if PS Plus was a country, it would have the 36th largest population in the world. Fun fact. Uh, the top five monthly games redeemed from PS Plus globally are as follows. Call of Duty Modern Warfare, Sonic Forces, Shadow Colossus, Call of Duty Black Ops uh, 3, and Destiny 2. Um, Sonic Forces is definitely the standout there in terms of I would not have expected that one, but there you go. Um, the top five online multiplayer games that are played by PS Plus me members globally are as follows. Grand Theft Auto 5, Rainbow Six Siege, Call of Duty Black Ops 3, Destiny 2, or no, just Destiny, Destiny 1, uh, and Call of Duty Black Ops 4. So there you go. Um, Greg. Yeah. We have a question here from Charles Jacobson, who writes in to patreon.com slash games, just like you all can, and says, greetings, Greg, and blessing. I hope I get this question in on time while it's topical. PS Plus turns 10 years, and I want to hear... How would you like to see PS Plus change on the PS5? Honestly, I only use it for, for the cloud save and the rare case I want to play a game that needs it. Fallout 76, for example. Given the free-to-play games don't require PS Plus, I kind of want them to just remove that requirement and focus on the cloud saves and games. Uh, cloud saves and games. Moving forward, it'd be nice with the split. Uh, one PS4 game, one cross-gen game, and one PS5 game. Sincerely yours, Charles Jacobson. Going forward, I mean, yeah, I could, I'd like to see them do away with it for online multiplayer because I feel like that's such an antiquated thing, but it works. There's clearly all these subscribers because they do want to go play uh, games of service and everything else. So I don't think that's going to happen in any way, shape, or form because we also all accept it. So I do think it's about going through and making it more appetizing. And so for PlayStation 5, like the fact that they aren't giving you PlayStation VR games is fucked up. They took away so much stuff and they're not mm, giving that, that that they need to be dropping one VR game every month. And I think that'll be a fun announcement. And then also it'll do exactly what I you assume they want. If there's and they say they're still committed to VR, right? Iron Man coming out at the end of the week that, hey, you know, your PlayStation VR unit is compatible with the PlayStation 5. You assume there'll be a PlayStation VR for the, uh, the PlayStation 5 eventually PlayStation VR 2. I think I screwed that up. Uh, but if you it's the same argument as always where if you're just redeeming these things eventually you're gonna be like well i have six playstation vr games anymore and now it's on sale on black friday why not pick it up why not screw around why not go do that i mean for me cloud saves are the big part of it too uh, then there is the online multiplayer that i just don't think about when i use it but yeah i think 
basically tightening it up right now makes the most sense of cool here you are getting a playstation 4 game you are getting a playstation 5 game you are getting a playstation vr game really showing what that is because i think you know it's funny to talk about this on its 10th year anniversary like of course i'm old enough in this industry that i remember covering this at the beginning and i'm looking at an article right now that was updated on the last time it looks like it was updated which is hard to say on ign.com is uh, december 15th 2010 where uh colin and i were going through at the launch of it and detailing on this list what we were spe- we spent the fifty dollars for PlayStation Plus, and then what we were getting back in terms of free games or discounts on stuff. In like, so in December of uh, I had broken even. Colin was up seventy four dollars. So it's like it's interesting now to look at it. Where it's I think PlayStation Plus is something we just forget about. It's uh, a lot of people I don't think redeem the games for the most part. I think it is this idea that you get yeah. it so you can play online and forget about it. Whereas at the time it was this subscription service that was going it launched in june 2010 it was going to be this thing that we were gonna use to get money and save money you don't even think about that now you buy the game on ps on place psn you see it's five dollars off but you don't think and start tabulating how much it actually equates to janet what are your thoughts on ps plus because i i greg i'm i'm with you all the way there in terms of psvr games being added uh and charles jacobson question in his question, he says that, yeah, it'd be nice if they, if they had it be like one PS4 game, one cross-gen game, and one PS5 game, which I don't know if that works because you would assume that most PS4 games are going to be cross-gen if you factor in backwards compatibility. Um, but with that said, I think a PS4 game, a PS5 game, and a PSVR game, I think I think that could be really cool, even though I think preferably people would like to for there to be two PS5 games. And so oh, yeah. I don't know how that balances out, but you know, I'd like to see some kind of switch up and some kind of uh, refresh of that um but janet for you is there anything you'd like to see from ps plus going forward i'm definitely one of those people that doesn't redeem the games because <laughs> i just it's just too many games and i just know i'm lying to myself and sometimes you got to call yourself out on your own lies but at the same time i do feel like i'm not like i'd like to use it more and take more advantage of it um that's something i definitely want to do this year just because they're there and there's usually a lot of heavy hitting titles that do pop up from time to time I feel like this would be a logistical nightmare and I don't think it's possible for them to do, but I would love for there to be something that kind of let you maybe have a little bit more customization options with your free games. Like maybe if like, even, even if once every few months or once on your birthday or something where you could go into like the PS plus vault and pick a game that maybe isn't currently, you know, there for the month, Ooh. but if you didn't download it before you can go back and download That'd be really it now. Cool. Um, I, I think that would help because especially with, Every month is always a conversation of like, is this month's free? You know, this happens with Xbox Games as Gold as well. Like, is, you know, are we excited about this? Like, are these good games? You know, I think being able to go into the vault instead of having just the legitimate offerings for like the monthly rotation would be an interesting dynamic, especially because if you're thinking this in, competi- in competition with Microsoft, um, one of Xbox's biggest things is just having Game Pass and this thing you can dip into. Obviously, yeah. PlayStation has their own version of that, but that hasn't really gotten that same traction so i wonder if they could just make ps plus a little bit more enticing it could kind of edge out at least live in that way yeah Yeah. i don't know it's it you know it's such a value proposition of do you feel like you're getting your money your money your money your money's worth out of it and i think if right now the fact that we're all just like yeah cool i pay for it to be online i think that there really isn't an impetus behind them to really spruce it up and make it crazy. I think even the PlayStation VR thing, I think makes sense. And I do think they'll do it at some point because it's just marketing. It's just the easiest way of like, it's, it's, you know, the Trojan horse of just getting these games on your system so that you eventually go, I might as well buy it. 
you hope. Yeah, I, I think for me, the online thing is, is, is really the biggest thing across the board for what people want from, from PS Plus or why people purchase PS Plus. I yeah. know for me on my Xbox, I uh, earlier this year, I let my Xbox um, Gold Ultimate or whatever, the one that comes with Game Pass, and I guess it's Game Pass Ultimate. It comes with Game Pass and uh, Games of Gold and online and all that stuff. I let that lapse uh in march because i i don't really play games online on my xbox I, I usually do all my online gaming on my um ps4 you know my xbox is usually just for me consuming media or me playing xbox exclusive games like forts and stuff that i like to play yeah. um and so i let it lapse thinking that certainly i'm not i'm not, certainly i'm gonna return to this at some point you know i'm gonna i'm gonna want to play a game on game pass or i'm gonna want to play a game online on my xbox probably at some point and about three four months later i still haven't renewed it and i don't know if i'm gonna need to renew it um and so like you know i think that i think for me on, on the 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 console which i play online on that's going to go a long way in terms of am i going to want to subscribe to that service um and yeah cloud saves is the thing that was mentioned earlier and of course that's like a thing that's that's, that's very useful um, and that's such a thing for the us in the industry right I yeah feel like of having multiple playstation 4s and working on different things and it, well granted blessing you you can't leave your room anymore so like it would have if yeah. you were going to work you know what i mean it would be but i you know i remember like you know just in general of taking stuff from the office home and vice versa it was such a, a game changer of not having to worry about that anymore when i could just send the saves i didn't have ps plus for like a little while because i didn't really i don't really play a lot of games that are online games or games with friends through like sure. using the internet so it wasn't really a, a big need for me and i figured if i could save the money why not uh, i was like that with microsoft for a while too and uh so I didn't have PS Plus for a while. So I didn't have cloud saves. And it's one of the reasons that I actually started The Last of Us in my life probably like four different times. Like once <laughs> on the PS3, my friend lent it to me, but then I didn't finish it. I gave it back. And then again on the PS4, I'm like, this time I'm going to do it for real. And then I kind of like didn't have that PS4 anymore. Then I did it again like over Christmas because like, like my, my brother brought the game and I put that on like I think my boyfriend's PS4, but then the save didn't sync. So when I started it again on my file, it was like, the beginning of the game and i something inside of me broke and i'm like this is why we need cloud saves so yeah i do feel like ps plus and and live or games with gold or whatever kind of ends up being this weird like gamer tax we put on ourselves sort of like when you, if you have a gym membership but you don't really work out like, <laughs> I, can't tell. Luckily, I have played some of my apple arcade games lately and i love the hell out of apple arcade great library haven't really played it as much I haven't as scratched I, the yeah, surface right yeah that, the same way it's the same thing for me in Disney Plus, where I, I thought about this literally yesterday, where I was like, when was the last time I watched something on Disney Plus? Might have been February. It was whenever um, High School Musical, the musical, the series ended. That was probably the last time I watched something on Disney Plus. It's a very vivid um, memory. <laughs> oh, dude, I love High School Musical, the musical, the series. It's such a good show. Everybody should watch it, especially if you, if you like High School Musical. It's one of the, the best shows of the last year. Um, PS Now is also something I'd like to see added to PS Plus in some way. I think that could be a slam dunk uh by combining those things together i don't know if i expect them to do it for the next generation but i expected i kind of expect them to do it at some point um and so that that'd be that'd be the one uh thing i'd add um lastly is something that i'd, I'd like to see yeah that, that'll be the big interesting thing of like for playstation 5 and the next generation how intent are they on taking game pass on with playstation now which is you know mm -hmm. does well like we see those numbers we know it does well but like, do you want to make it a thing? Are they actually going to really get behind it and push for it? Or is the system, again, it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of thing. It'll be fascinating to see how they do and bundle it all together. Greg, those are Janet. your X's and O's. Wow, well, oh, look at that. The show's done. Yeah. yeah, You did it. All right. Janet, once again, thank you so much for spending your day with us being uh, goofballs.
Yeah, it was fun. All right, cool. All right, until next time, everybody. It's been a pleasure to serve you. That was a long one, huh? Good, though. Yeah, it was good stuff. Camera made it a lot longer than I thought. I mean, it's we've been live for... Well, it doesn't matter. Um, oh, they can. The kids can hear me.